everyone. Welcome to the Weekly Scroll Podcast brought to you by the Adventure Archive. My name is Ryan. And I'm Thane Many Moons. Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. Um, today, we are going to be going over Vaults of Varn and uh, primarily focusing on the new Omnibus edition put out by, uh, where is Great it? Games Omnivorous right there. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, it is a very good looking book. Um, mm, yeah, I'm going to say yes to that. Um, it's it's textured. It has this beautiful texturing on it. When we get to the PDF, you'll see that they put the texture into the PDF. But it's got this like, um, what is it called when it's printed in? Embossing? Um, Embossing. Yeah, of a whole texture across the entire book. It's really nice. Um, and I love Games Omnivorous. But I'm all I am not a fan of the way parts of Europe um write their um uh, Oh that's right. It's flipped the spine. Right? It's different. Yeah, it's flipped. I'm not gonna say it's wrong. I'm just gonna say they do it differently. Um, right. Be, because how I how I would imagine the spine to be is if you lay the book down Could, on the table mm-hmm. and turn it, you would read it. But with this, if you lay the book down on the table face up and turn it, the spine is upside down. So it's opposite of every other book on my shelf, besides the other uh, ones that are also from parts yeah. of Europe. Um, Just pull those but, together. Yeah, I can do that, but that would defeat my whole system. <laughs> that Everyone, I have. if you're trust watching, me, there's a system. Ryan. <laughs> yeah, there is a system. Um, so, so this is the Omnibus Edition. We've talked about this uh, just a second ago. Games Omnibus put it out. Um, this is from Leo Hunt. Um, it is a gorgeous, like, bl- very blue. This is a blue fucking blue. Um, is what I'm saying. It's interesting. And we're going to kind of get into the differences between Ryan's physical edition and the digital that we're going through because the blue on that is way bluer than the digital editions. uh, But but I think it's such a beautiful um, color, you know? It is. It's a gorgeous color. I'm actually going to kick real quick to the the physical stage. Do it. Bro, do it. Oh, um, that, of course, uh, got uh, adjusted a little bit when i uh, oh, did it yeah Look i redid it window. today you are out of the window and i'm out of the window um so oh, uh we're gonna just kill some air here real quick while i chat about literally nothing as i just I mean, fix listen, some windows. I-, I would like to say that while you're fixing that this is such a me game we kind of talked about this before we got on like this is a weird science fantasy like truly genuinely odd game and i I'm, I love this. We're we're gonna go through this today, and we're gonna go through the first section together, build a character, and then Ryan and I divide up the rest of the book to kind of talk about our favorite parts. Um, but the roll tables in this are a great, great, odd, fucking weirdo roll tables, um, and the adventures in the back were really cool as well. Um, <laughs> I'm like watching the screen yeah. freak out. Fine, um, so uh yeah perfect. i just still feel like i'm blurry and obs but it bugs me so this is the the actual version right here or the omnibus version but um prior to the omnibus version omnibus version there were multiple zines right and honestly so i have all three um this oh, is I, number say, one. You, I bet you have all three. <laughs> oh god i have yeah so the the first one is just like zines um sometimes you can find them i don't think they're printed anywhere but i know Tree carried them you might be able to find them on like all the problems in the world but like you would have to like you would find them from somebody third party and everything like that that's what you right. would need to do um but vault of iron one has a slight blue with this kind of like purple uh purple and uh pink or um, um like pinkish and orange aspect to it number two was a very like uh purpley blue 
with some light blue and some orange on the back. Really, really beautiful. Um, number three had this like really vibrant yellow uh, for the zine and the Fa Nomad on the back in like bright, vibrant colors. Um, I also have the um, the uh, adventures uh, for it. Nice. Uh, with the, the bandit on the front there. Um, That's a cool and one. And then I was also able to find uh, the the uh, cassette tape that they put out for Varn. Classic. It's not like DIY art punk unless you have a cassette tape uh, to go with it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100%. Do so, you have a cassette player, um, Ryan? You know, you know what's funny? No. Do you, how many cassettes do you have? Well over uh, double digits. Yeah, yeah. I say. But not, not, not for lack of not wanting one. I've just literally right. been hunting for. I'm like, if I'm gonna get one, I want to get one. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I want a cassette player, a cassette player that really makes me feel like I'm listening to like my random fucking weird TTRPG um, uh, tapes. Um, mm. um, so I've been digging, and Amazon's not really doing it for me, but uh, we'll get there. We'll find one. Um, and then, uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. So, hey man, um, your birthday is only a couple months away. You never know. You know what? We'll see. Um, so we're getting into it. My Adderall is starting to kick in and I'm starting to focus a little bit. Been under the weather a couple of days, starting to feel better, but we're going to start with Vaults of Varn. Um, here we go. Uh, so... Once again, as I said, the embossing that's on the cover of the book is actually this like light blue on the cover of the PDF, which I think is a great touch. Um, yeah, totally. I like yeah. that it has the same texture on the on the digital. It feels very cool. Yeah, it's really nice. And then uh, once we get into the book itself, uh, it is writing and art from Leo Hunt, uh, design and layout from Guillermo Gontijo, who has done a lot of stuff and uh, is really fucking good at what they do. Um, and then Andre Navoa, who is basically Games Omnivorous. They, um, th oh, this is our second Games Omnivorous in a row because Masvidor was put up by Games Omnivorous oh, as well. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, a lot of Geo hey, stuff. stuff. They do fucking listen. We've said this anything that drops on the Games Omnivorous store, I will snatch up like yeah. side unseen because I know it's going to be A, it's going to be amazing, and B, um, it's going to be short print. So the fact that, um, like Mouse Raider got as many prints as it done as it did, um, is surprising. I think they're talking about maybe doing one, uh, one more box set print. Um, but other than that, if you didn't find, um, any of the previous stuff that they put out that is now sold out, you're looking at third party or eBay, baby, because that's, that's about the only place you're going to get stuff. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so this is Leo Hunt. Uh, Leo Hunt has done some really, really amazing stuff. I have some other things from them uh, on the shelf back here. Um, but uh, Varn is really kind of their uh, their big thing, their go-to. They have the website for The Patreon is really set up to support mostly Varn stuff. Um, and, it, and I love that. I love when people have their game and really just go hard on it you know what i mean yeah. like i know i know that we talked about before this game is really reminiscent of the electrum archive um and uh i love um uh what emil boven is doing with the electrum archive uh derf was amazing but it feels like that's what their their thing they're really digging into is the electrum archive and and that's really fantastic to like create something you really love have a setting for it that you really love um and then you just keep ad like adding more to it is fantastic and i really i really love that 
Yeah, it's definitely got that same kind of like weird, weird um, uh, uh, science fantasy kind of feel. I, but we were talking about this. This does feel different. Um, and I love this. And I think one of my favorite art pieces actually is coming up um, almost immediately right after the table of contents. Uh, we'll, we'll skip to the table of contents and go straight to the art piece then. Which one is it? Is it the it's rhino the, guy? With it's the rhino carrying the fish. And like, because why? <laughs> what? what? Um, and like, this game has so many mo like oddity moments. Like, you're gonna, we're gonna go to the roll tables there, like I said, and we'll touch on them. And some of the options are like really cool, and you're very adjusted for them. And like, you'll be like, yeah, I've heard this stuff like that before. And then they'll really just come out left field, and you'll be like, okay, sure. Um, and I love that. I want my players to have a weird time. So yeah, yeah. it definitely, it definitely, it definitely has. It's definitely weird. It's definitely yes. weird. Like it's, it's weird. I would put it in the same general, like kind of like bubble ish as like Troika and Electrum Archive, but a little bit closer to the Electrum Archive. And I also love, and these are parallels, not like copies or anything, but I right. do love the parallels to the Electrum Archive too. And that Leo Hunt does all the art and all the writing because yeah. fantastic artist. I, I love the style. I think it fits really well as Emil Bovin does the same thing with the other one. Um, but as you said, it is different. It is a little weird. Um, and, um, and yeah, so let's get into it first. First we get to the table of contents page. Um, let's let's say right off the bat uh there's no bookmarks in the zine oh no there are bookmarks in the zine right? there's no hyperlinks um, we've talked about those there's zero hyperlinks across the entire pdf which uh sucks i really wish it did um it is definitely long enough to to really be helpful to have that and there's totally. definitely sections in it that have like the inline like go to page this that would be incredibly helpful to have um also let's just get right into our knocks right off the bat um blue and very light bluish gray on white i know it's funny it's funny because i know you showed me the physical book which uh i'm gonna order uh on friday when i get paid because they have they restocked it um but it seems like it's a lot easier to read in the book like it's darker like all around is darker mm -hmm. um kind of see not really focusing all that well but by all just uh, believe us if you're if you're watching believe this, believe it. Us. Uh, believe it um that's my nindo bro um the the book is darker right like the text is easier it's, to read it's, it's so much easier to read and i know it's that's part of the printing process but it's one of those things where it's not that it's uh, unreadable like you, you it's not illegible you can read it um but <laughs> we i often talk about like how pleasant it is to read something like i black sword hacks the most recent one i could think of it was very pleasant to read. It had that off-white background, black text, very easy to read. This is not um, mm. the same, mm. like, pleasant. Like, I'm not, like, burning my eyes on it or anything, but it's uh, – the text is very light. Yes. And not only that, the the font chosen, for whatever reason, um, in the PDF compared to the printing um, is also more difficult to read. Like, the um, – like the narrow bits in parts like um like yeah. the bottom of the like ooh, let me go over here like the bottom of the p here um it makes it um more difficult to read mm. or like the top of the e like i wonder part if that's it just because it is lighter it's just made all the like end bits harder to read well like it's faded out a little bit 
I mean, I guess, and also the font size is very small on this book. Very it's like seven point five or eight yeah. or something like that. It is very. Yeah, I had, so I had to close up a lot more. Usually with these books, like I don't always like zoom in super hard, but I even on my like three panel, I'm like zoomed pretty far into it. Yeah. Well, I read it on my on my iPad a lot, um, mostly because yeah, on my screen I had to make it so big that it's just yeah. it's just <laughs> I I. I know there's a lot of people that like reading the physical and I enjoy reading the physical, but if I'm really like in this to like read it for the review and stuff, to me, I can go a lot faster than I can flip. And like with yeah. the digital tools, generally you can navigate faster than you can the physical book when you have hyperlinks and things like that. This one I put on my iPad instead to read it more like a book. And I did, I zoomed it column by column and actually turned it sideways because the, the color made it more difficult to read. The font made it more difficult to read and just in general. And I also, although I think that this is pretty for the table of contents page, it is oh, it's, not it's my favorite table of contents. It's a little confusing to read. Uh, the table of contents is like, so listen, if you are listening, like normally a table of contents has the like header, the chapter, right? And then each individual line going down has whatever that is and then the page number, whatever it's referring to, um, like the subchapter. This one has the subchapters lined up one after, like subchapter, page number, then the next one on the same line until it runs out of room and then line, like, line breaks down to create a new line. So they're all kind of mushed together instead of being laid out like long ways essentially. Yeah. So instead of each one on a separate line down, the whole thing is is written out like one big sentence with yeah, just like a with just like a, a there's um, dividers. There are dividers divider between. between. Yeah. I mean I've adjusted to it now, but the first time we opened it up and we were talking um the other day, I was like, oh um and then okay, listen, I, we're gonna go in right now but this because this game's so fantastic and there's not gonna be like a lot of critiques. Um we're gonna talk about yeah. how much we like this game mostly. But I have one more gripe. Um and we talked about this the other day. And I, and I actually ran into a situation where I was like, well, that's annoying. The bookmarks. So mm -hmm. every subheading on every chapter is bookmarked, except in generating your own setting, which is all rule, is pretty much all roll tables, right? But I went to go refer to a roll table, and I could not use the bookmark to go straight there. I had to use the bookmark to go to the, the top of it and then scroll like, I mean, it was half the way in, which... You know, if sitting here reading casually is not a big pain, but if I'm sitting at my table and I'm like, okay, hold on, guys, I got to roll up something real quick because we're doing something that's randomly generated um, as I want to do, um, kind of like – it's like why? I mean you, you bookmarked all the other like subheadings, like just bookmark these as well. Uh, yeah. And that's the end of my critiques as far as this, like, this part goes, so – yeah, I think, I mean, really, I just think that, I think the layout, and we're going to continue through, I think it's gorgeous. I think, I think the, um, I think the font all the way through is like kind of small. Um, and as we said, but like critiques right off the bat for a little bit of like the later layout stuff really comes down to some like readability stuff. Yeah. And to kind of sum it all up, the table of contents um, is, is written in a, um, a weird way that is not the it's not necessarily confusing but it's it it's slightly more difficult than if like yeah it's not conducive to quick should use. Be, yeah, yeah exactly yeah it's 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 reduction reduction of usability right the font size in the pdf makes it more difficult the font color in the pdf makes it a little bit more difficult to read um and then that's at the so basically there's a reduction in readability in the yeah. pdf um, I mean, the book, too, has a lot of these issues, but just the fact that it's darker makes some of that stuff go away. Right. Um, and there is a bookmark in the physical, um, mm. which is nice to have. 
That is um, nice. But some lack of hyperlinks, um, uh, some bookmarks that, that would be more helpful to have. The table of contents is a little bit condensed in a way that's not conducive to usability. The font's a little bit small. The color is a little bit hard to read. Um, all of that comes down to some just general. And, and that's um, our show, guys. We'll uh, see you next week. Um, yeah. <laughs> but as we said, that's pretty much the end of the critiques because the rest of this is fucking amazing. So yeah, jumping <laughs> into it. Yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll go into. Yeah, we'll go into. Uh, uh, there's an acknowledgement section here that talks about um, some uh, touch points, um, which is uh, Book of the New Sun and Dune um, and Hyperion. All of that just blasts right in the face. Obviously, wow, even I, Dune. I've, I've never read any yeah. of those. <laughs> right. Um, and then a lot I of the game is... <laughs> right. Um, I, I love Book of the New Sun. I don't think you've read Book of the New Sun, have you? I have not read Book of, Book of the New yeah. Sun, but... Dune and Hyperion are two of my favorite novels. So now, Dune is fantastic. I love Book of the New Sun. I will say for anyone that tries to read it, it is dense prose. I have um, heard that, have, and that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You know, it also in this, uh, so we talked about video game uh, references, and mm -hmm. he references the Caves of Cud or Caves of Quud, mm -hmm. uh, however you want to say it, which is the absolutely amazing game and like kind of a deep cut i don't know a lot of people who know that game but it is a fantastic uh game i love that game so yeah uh um yeah hyperlight drifter is also amazing and i've never played raiden world but it's on my list is like a metroidvania that i really want to look at too so world? Oh. uh there it's a world that is very rainy that's um, a really yeah concise okay when you see that when you see it you're gonna go oh okay cool so um anyway so vaults of arn is um like huh. 80 percent of it is at least as far as the core rules are uh is a nave hack like it's on on right. like unabashedly a nave hack and like every zine and every part it has this whole section where it really talked about nave and ben milton and some of the original texts from that so it is a hardcore nave hack one of my favorite nave hacks i really enjoy it um and it says it also uh lends to uh yoon soon which is one that I uh, uh, they redid that and I backed the Kickstarter recently. Excited for that. Into the Odd, which I mean, of course, when we get to parts and uh, and also Troika, White Hack, and Raquel. Um, so and then some more acknowledgments to some 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 people like uh, like Eco, Perplexing Ruins, Yohai, um, and, and whatnot. In here. Yeah, PR for sure. So um, uh, basically, um, there's a, this is based on a lot of awesome stuff. Um, and a lot of awesome people. So uh, good job, Leo, for that. So getting into the actual stuff now, um, there is a welcome to Varn section. I was not going to read this section, but I've read it multiple times and was like, you know what? I do think that this read is a section me, that, read that should section. be read. So this this really sets the entire game up in such a good way, it's hard to skip it. So <clears throat> welcome to Varn. The sun is dying and the wreckage of countless eons litters the parched wastes of Varn the desolate country that common folk call the Blue Ruin. It is said that these sky-colored sands hide the graves of the Altarks, have swallowed the buried arcologies in which the true seed of humankind was preserved through the Great Collapse, conceal the forgotten crypts of memory, decaying crystalline lattices of ancient ego engines upon which the dusk-blue dunes encroach without pity. From the new hegemony to the south come drifters and dreamers, desecrators of the tech tombs that lie sunken beneath the azure wastes. Light years overhead, Aram's sailed ships ply their tender roots between the spheres, and miles below a pilgrim's feet, strange wombs are kindled once more with a life undreamed of. These are the hinterlands where humanity's great works have fallen to everlasting decay, where machine and animal and fungus think to crown themselves our equal. The 
Thaddle Sands, where new beasts hunt proudly with boots upon their hind paws and chrome priests chant unbending binary devotions to their nameless synthetic god. Only the desperate or the mad would seek to make a life here, to roam the blue desert in search of the secret vaults of Varn. Nice. It's so good. The writing is good. So Leo's good. writing throughout this whole thing is so good. It, it, it's it's descriptive without being verbose, which I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, and it says it's a it's a sci-fi fantasy game um, inspired by what we said before, Dune Hyperion, Book of the New Sun. You feel a lot of the Book of the New Sun stuff in like the future past shit. Like technology was really advanced, and then like it went to shit like a thousand years ago. When people find it, it feels almost magical. Um, it is how they make uh, the pyramids, man. It's just like real life. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I will say like, um, the last kind of layout critique I have before we get into this, the whole thing is very blue. And I really think that the whole point is drawing from like the vast blue desert of the entire world. But I gotta be honest, like, I really feel, I wish there was a little bit more than that because I do sometimes feel like I am lost in a blue desert while reading this. Um, and, uh, I do feel almost like there was a, a loss when when this book was was created, I feel like this feels almost more like an academic tome, um, where it's kind of like um, when, when you compare it to the original three. Look how bright and colorful right. and fun. I feel like the weird shines more in the individual zines. Mm. You know what this feels like? It feels like the zines were kind of like like a band's first album, like like MCR's first album that was like weird and kind of like. Like, yeah. not super refined. And then um, the newest one feels like MCR's third album. You know what I mean? Where it's, yeah. like, super refined, very palatable, um, but loses a little bit of, um, of the weirdness and the strange. Yeah. Um, so, um, um, yeah, I, I I I wish there was a little bit more color. I wish there was a little bit more vibrancy to it. I wish there was a little bit um, of the zine covers in this as opposed to this kind of like almost monochromatic, like blue across everything. Um, so I don't know. That's my last bit of, of that. Um, so um, yeah, the last, uh, continuing on here, the sun is going out. It is the end of history. Everything could possibly happen has already happened and faded to dust. No two sources agree on the details of Varn's um, idolated past and a truth. Such debates hold little significance. Um, however, there are some facts that every resident of Varn can agree upon. Um, and I love when settings do this. It's like bullet pointed or yeah. like numbered. Here are the things that are empirically true. Whatever else is whatever, like whatever you and the table decided to be. Um... And then, uh, so Varn is a sky blue desert littered with the ruins of the far future. Um, Varn is chiefly inhabited by true kin, which are non-mutated humans, uh, Kakajin, Sense, New Beast, and Mycomorphs. Uh, we'll get into what those are. Um, the sun is a dying red giant. It won't go out in a human lifetime, but Sense have reason to be concerned. Um, Varn is both archaic and futuristic. Think sword fights inside the wrecked husks of ancient spaceships. Um, to the south lies the new hegemony, a proud, expanding, true kin empire. Theoretically, the hegemony rules Varn, but they have little presence besides a few fortified border towns. Nanomachines are inside everything, and it's normal to see wild animals with cameras growing out of their flesh or humans with parasitic artificial limbs. Um, nobody can agree on the cause, but there was a great collapse, which destroyed most of the human civilization. 
Before the Great Collapse, the planet was dominated by the Autarchy, a dictatorship enacted by a dynasty of genetically modified god kings. And before the reign of the Autarchs, the Earth was ruled by AIs called the Titans. Something happened to them, and they were overthrown, but the details are lost to history. And finally, most importantly, Varn is never the same twice. The fall of the dice determines how your version of the setting develops. Readers and players alike are encouraged to make Varn their own. And that's really, until you get past the rule section, that is, in my opinion, a perfect amount of pre-game lore to get yeah. you into the game and then get going. One page. God, I love one page lore, lore page, you know? Like, it's oh, so perfect. good. I know everything I need to. Yeah. And then and then after you get through the basic rules, character creation, all that kind of stuff, you start getting into adventure locations and lore bits and things like that. And I, I really I really enjoy the way that the zine is set up or the, the book is set up and the way that it combines the three zines. We'll talk about that yeah. again a little bit more later. So uh, getting into the basic rules, 1.1. 1. 1. Um, 1. I like the. I like the point one stuff. It's a very like uh, Troika numinous edition version. Um, yeah, I love me some but, numbered um, chapters. So yeah, if if only it was also hyperlinked, so you could reference them easily. Um, so we're basically going to be reading Nave here. Like I pulled up Nave again, really dug through Nave, and a lot of this with some tiny tweaks is straight up just Nave. Um, okay. With a little bit simplified, ticking it a little bit of the OSR, like kind of like like float back to like the more rules dense D aspects of it nave keeps a lot of that and this drops a lot of that off but the core is the same so six abilities a respectable choice you know yeah 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 for sure um six abilities here and i do like what they did here we talked about this before um and i will say i was reading this on my left monitor and it was much harder to read although darker when I put it on my central monitor, this is much easier to read here. Um, I do like this little touch that they put in where it says the word strength, but the STR is darker, is the dark blue they use, and the ENGTH is that like light grayish blue, so that it automatically, without saying it, it tells you that STR is abbreviation for strength. Clever, cute, I love it, smart. It's a nice little touch that I really, really enjoyed a bunch. Um, so there's strength, which you, uh, we're not going over. You know what strength is. You know what dex is. You know what constitution is. Um, you know what intellect is. You know what psyche is. Um, there are a little bit of, of things in here. Like it says, like, how many item slots you can have based on your con. We'll get to that later. Um, psyche, though, a little bit different. I will say that. It's not a wisdom. It's psych. Um, it uses uh, use for saves requiring perception and intuition. Basically, it is it is kind of it, it is wisdom, but it uh, associates with mystic gifts, which we'll get to. And then ego is used for basically will instead. So slight slight alterations to the um, core six stat names um, to fit a little bit of the setting more, and I enjoy that. Yeah, me too. Um, yep. Uh, yep. Saves... Um, if a character attempts something where the outcome is uncertain and failure has consequences, one of my favorite lines ever in TTRPGs, you make a save, add the bonus and relevant ability to a D20 roll. So again, Nave, um, there is no roll under, roll over, or whatever. Uh, it is a flat 15 for everything, which is fine. Yeah. It's Nave. It is a way to play the game. I don't have a, a, a plus or minus to I, that. I, I, I like, you know... I don't love roll over usually in other ways where it's like a DC. Um, but this, where it's a flat 15, you just have to, I, yeah, I feel great about this, you know? Yeah. I mean, we both prefer D20 roll under. Um, Absolutely. One thing, I, the thing I hate the most about D20 roll over is the, um, the kind of like, 
whateverness of like having to pick the dc on the fly like what makes you say it's a 16 versus a 15 like that annoys yeah, me absolutely so i'd rather so have something like, like the this 15 yeah where it's like this is what it is like okay perfect great thank you i don't have to I, yeah because I, I feel exactly. like a lot of times i make those decisions especially when i was running dnd a lot and then afterwards be like that could that was not maybe like an 18 you know like, yes it was mm -hmm. a 17 you know um yep. or 16. Yeah. And we've talked about before, like if someone rolls like a 15 and then they get like a 14, a lot of games don't have anything for that. Besides, you know, but then, you know, when you read something like Himbo's that has that kind of like mixed success scale, yeah, that that's a better way to do it. Of, yeah. Yeah. But with this one, it being a flat number, kind of in like the way that like Shadow, uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord does like a flat 10. I like it. I'm fine with it because you, as soon as you roll, you know exactly what you're going for all the time. It's fine. Anyway, the critiquing knave here, but it is Vaults of Iron. Um, if the save is opposed by another <laughs> character, you don't go over 15. It's an opposed check. You know what those are. Um, right. If there are situational factors that have significantly easier or harder, advantage and disadvantage, 2d20s, you know how that is. Take the highest and the lowest. Um, I'm going to cruise through this too because this is just like the, the basics. Item slots, you have them. We'll get to them in a little bit. Um, Mystic Gifts, like you have them, right? Varn is a world where religion, science, and magic are indistinguishable. Devout faith, mastery of arcane nanomachines, and abuse of psychoactive fungus or mental mutation can grant the mind uncanny influence of the material world. All such powers, abilities, and boons are referred to as gifts. See page 22, not hyperlinked. It'd be better if it was. Um... And then it basically says each Mystic Gifts uses a slot. Um, the gifts cost HP, which is determined by the referee once a player describes what they want to accomplish. The baseline of a gift is D6 HP. I love that. Yeah, me too. Very cool um, uh, trade, a trade off for using magic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, and it says Mystic Gifts take an item slot. <clears throat> And, and the reason, uh, it represents the burden whose unnatural powers exert, on, the burden the unnatural powers exert on the body of the wielder. I love how that's abstracted. And I do that really like that, yeah. Yeah. And it automatically tells me right off the bat, too, that HP is not simply a a uh, the number of times you can get hit. It's more than that. It is, it is. Uh, it's another currency. Yeah, but it's also the it's it's your ness as a person. It's how many times you get ah. hit, but also how much burden you have. Also, like how much you how much magical um, energy that you have to expend as well. Like there, it's an abstracted, just your general overall. Like the idea of what hit protection is in Into the Odd, but it just uses hit points I because think what I like about easier. this the most is that like if you take this to its logical endpoint, that means I could cast a spell so powerful that it could kill me um yeah yeah i mean it could definitely take a like, zero yeah what a fucking cool moment to have you know like yeah i'm gonna give my all for this it's like okay well it's gonna be 5d6 yeah i i i love that and i would allow that like there's nothing that says that you can't and i think it's perfect i love that i love when there aren't um like blood mages or some of my funnest shit because it because of this it uses a lot of your like hp and you can absolutely hurt yourself more than helping other people. So I really yeah. like that. Um, combat gifts always hit their target, dealing damage of one die size, dice size higher than the user paid in HP, um, plus a character side bonus. There's an example here, which is great. Paying D6 HP results in a damage of D8 plus your side bonus. Easy peasy. 
Um, same ratio was applied to healing. Um, and then uh, there's also uh, various rules for the duration of certain things. Um, and it also talks about mystic gifts. They are not gained by levels. They are found by various ways of expanding your mind, like brain surgery and drugs and stuff. So uh, really, really enjoy that. That's um, like maybe the best part of the mystic gifts thing. It's like, yeah, like yeah. it's getting them as a journey. It's not like, oh, I level up so I get a new thing. It's like, no, you're going to go on an adventure. You're going to get surgery and a third eye implanted. You're going to find a rare blue crystalline fungus and have to snort it. Um, yeah. Like, uh, that's like that right there is a whole like mini arc, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And the same thing with the relics, because like you're both yes. the Exotica, the relics, the the Mystic Gifts, all of those things, as you said, they're since they're not part of advancement at all, every single one of them can be a reward or a quest or a consequence or just ways to create adventures without having to prep whole stories and shit, which you shouldn't do. Um, but it is, it's, it is, it is a red button for characters to go hunt, which is great. Um, and Exotica, they are strange relics of the many extinct civilizations prece that preceded your own. Exotica may take the form of weaponry, clothing, tools, or bizarre constructions. So this is where I feel like there's a, a big slap of into the odd into this. Um, finding weird stuff. Right. Fi yeah, 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 yeah. It's a great thing um, to take for it. So. Absolutely. Um, and when a new item of Exotica is found, the referee must make an int save um, in order to puzzle out what the device does. If the, fail is, if the save is failed, it is assumed the PCs cannot understand it, um, but you can go take it to settlements and, and whatnot to try to figure that out. Um, advancement, um, again, uh, it, it gives me a little bit of, of, of into the odd. You know, I was going to say mouse order, but mouse order is an into the odd hack, and this is a nave hack. So it's interesting to do an, an, an into the odd hack followed by a nave hack because I feel like as far as like the quote-unquote NSR, the post-OSR is concerned, these are two of the primary games that people use to hack. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this one is like 80% nave and like 20% into the odd, and I really like that mix. Yeah, I think it's working really well for it. Yeah. Um, so uh, as you adventure Varn, uh, you grow from novices into seasoned explorers. Um, you start at level one and you go up from there. But the way that you advance is exchanging exotica at settlements or oases. Trading in an item of exotica will automatically raise a PC to their next level. A PC's maximum level is 10. When a PC level increases, they get three points to allocate to an ability of their choosing. Abilities may never be raised higher than 20 slash plus 10. We'll get to that. Um, and then they roll a D8 and add the result to their new maximum HP. So um, there's a thing here. So it says a single piece of Exotica can only be used to raise the level of one PC, not the entire party. Mm. This will create important decisions for the party, as most likely only one PC will be able to level up at a time. If the referee wants a faster campaign, you can do all of it. I also do really enjoy the layout section here, um, where it is these um, uh, blocks of important text um as opposed to like i don't know bolding it or something i think it's a good choice right. to also break up the text a little bit um uh, it's just a really good part of the layout and also i'm gonna be honest uh the white on this dark background is in my my poor old eyes a lot easier to read so i i really enjoyed that as well so when we look at advancement and really dig deep into it there's a couple aspects of it that are really really interesting right so um it basically comes down to the core of um XP for gold, right? It, it's relics, but it, it's it's it's. It is, stuff. but like, and listen, I love XP for gold. Um, it's such a good. It's system. it's so much better, and I, it's funny because I genuinely I've 
only played a handful of games in all the games I've played that do that. And God, it's just so much better. And I like this. Personally, I like right now, I like describe my own table at home as an asymmetric table. Like, Frank, like if you leave and they've leveled up, like, and you come back, like you're wherever you were. Um, mm-hmm. And you can level up in like the same amount of time or the same amount of like a uh, uh, gold. Um, like, I love that. It's like, yeah, you know, you got one exotica. So one of y'all is going to level two. Gonna have to find more. Um, yeah. yeah, super into it. So it's 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 interesting because it feels like a simplified version of like of into the odd slash what we just did with mustard where basically yeah. when they would find stuff they would bring it back and they would get points based on the value and shit right well so into um, the odd is when you go on your first like adventure and come back successfully you're a professional at that point so that's like that's your next tier up and after that's like two or three more um, so it's less about the stuff that you bring back and more about the success of the actual venture. Okay, so then Mouse Herder was very, like, um, unless I'm completely bullshitting about what we just did, I'm pretty sure it's, like, the value of the stuff you bring back adds XP and stuff. I know we immediately forget, even though we did it last week. I know. I, it's funny. We, we, we've read almost 100 games at this point. So, yeah. yeah probably. Maybe, it's crazy. You know? <laughs> but what I like about this is that this also says that Exotica, like, so it, it's one of those things where, like, reading into the rules of the game the whole point of this game is um kind of in an into the odd ish kind of way but this adds a little bit more impetus to that is it's an exploration game because the whole point is to go find the exotica and bring it back and that is how you level up right but with the nade aspect put on top of it instead of the into the odd everything always hits combat super quick way um there is definitely a much more of a combat aspect to it which i really really enjoy so i like we said before it's a really nice mix because i really enjoy into the odd but i've said this numerous times like it's fun to play but it is definitely more of like a story uh, adventure game for me because combat is so quick and there's so much more of a focus on stuff this is really interesting, um, and I also do really enjoy that it's super simplified. One Exotica, one level for one person, and then go to it some more. Really, really like that a lot. It's it's a it's a it's it's good. It's clean. It's, it's good. It's streamlined. It's good. Yeah. Uh, water, water, Ryan. Water. There's water. Um, it exists. There it's is. hard. The and world is a desert. desert. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, a ration is abstracted to like water and food or whatever. A Mm. normal person has to drink one ration of water a day. Some people like synthetics have more or less, but they still need it because they have to cool down like their ego boards and ego engines and stuff like that. But um, long story short, uh, you can you start being able to carry three. um, And then if you don't have it, you're deprived. And if you're deprived for more than three days in a row, you die. So water is an important thing to have. Um, And barter. Shout out, dude. um, You know? right i mean it's you gotta gotta have that water um yeah. merchants were usually so barter merchants usually trade an items worth uh, an item slot worth of stuff for an item slots worth of stuff this is one of my favorite lines in the whole book there is no set list of prices for goods in barn good job leo um <laughs> love that shit uh, the deals characters can strike will depend on context, the merchant's disposition, and how persuasive they are. Because that's true. A stick of gum in a world where gum is important costs more. Like, I, I hate that there's... I do I like... Pages. I like bar- a genuine barter economy, not like gold economy, where it's like, well, it's worth what it's worth in that moment to that person in this interaction. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you're a piece of shit. So for you, the cost is much higher um but you know water in the middle of the lake is gonna be a lot easier to you know it's gonna be worth a lot less yeah 
and it makes sense in this world where like everything is few and far between it is deserts and like when when people are focused into one spot what's the point of money you know what i mean like it's really the needs what people need are what's important so being able to just ch exchange needs for some abstracted like chunk of fine metal like who cares um anyway so uh combat initiative in combat is decided each turn all sides of conflict roll a d6 whatever i'm never gonna like that rule but people do it um it's it's just a die roll you don't need just go back and forth um on their turn each characters may move and take one combat action pretty straightforward that action could be pretty much anything but also another move um to hit there is a to hit roll i love me a good to hit roll um so you, do love you a roll good a to hit roll so i do i love a good to hit roll so uh you make an attack you roll a d20 add strength or dex depending on melee or ranged um and then if the attacker's total exceeds the defender's armor it hits that's it if you read the same section in nave it's a lot longer because there's a lot of this like kind of weird minutia that calls back to older editions where it's like you know uh, if they have ascending ac if they have descending ac all this other stuff that this really says not uh, we're, we're getting rid of all that extra stuff and really simplifying it down and I, really I enjoy this stuff, so <laughs> you do i mean i think you do in the context of why nave was written and like what it's for but i don't think you need it in the context of this at all yeah um damage Fair. on a hit roll for weapon damage and subtract the result from the defender's hit points a second Perfect. damage roll may be made if the ideal weapon is used against the ideal target. And I really love that. It, the example is a fungicide bomb used against a mycomorph. I love that it is, do it if you want, not necessarily, oh, the fungicide bomb gives you advantage against mycomorphs and you have to remember that and stuff like that. I, I like right. instead, like, like if you're like using something specific, if you're using fire against something made of wood, it's just like, don't you don't get advantage to hit, just do double damage. And I love that. Quick and easy. Now this is interesting, and this is a, a, a the wounds and healing section is a big departure from from Nave, and I I love it. I love it. Asterisk. Don't know. We'll go from there. So mm -hmm, when a character mm -hmm. reaches zero HP, their HP remains at zero until they take a rest or are healed by someone. In Nave, zero HP, you're dead. Right. Right. From from but here, from the moment you hit zero, all subsequent damage causes you to acquire wounds which fill item slots and incur penalties until healed. The amount of damage taken determines which wound you get. If 10 item slots are marked with wounds, the character dies. The same applies if any ability defense drops to zero. So this is kind of how I imagined hit protection to work. If they would have just not used the word protection and that will never not bother me, this is hit points. Again, it's abstracted against your entire ability to endure right and then you start to take wounds okay on a short rest it's a quick sit down with a ration or water you get d8 plus con back from hp and on a long rest it's a full night's sleep with both ration water and meal and it either replenishes all hp or kills one wound oh yeah dude ability defensive that have been depleted by enemy attacks replenish at the rate of one point per day so here's the interesting thing game i right? think i've only ever skimmed this part and so i had not realized it's, it's like oh you can fucking just keep building wounds up yes if you like, choose to get your hp back oh yeah that's so the note fucking... here <laughs> yeah the note here says if the character is deprived they cannot benefit from short or long rest deprivation mostly happens due to the starvation or thirst i think it's an interesting thing to like put note here and to give these little like like corner bits when like if you go to the previous page above like there are notes but it doesn't say that it's a note um regardless oh. um so 
this is the interesting thing little, that I really has a little like ornate corners. Like, right. As well. So it's just so. an interesting tweak, different. Huh. Yeah. So here's so to go over this again, so people know when your HP you hit, take damage, you hit zero. Once you hit zero, damage you take hits a wound. But there's also a table here that it tells you what wounds you have based on how much damage you do. So say that you take a wound that puts you at five, negative five HP, you get your teeth knocked out. It takes up one slot in your inventory for that wound and you have disadvantage on ego saves as long as you're carrying that wound with you, right? And at night, when you take a long rest, you can either choose to heal that wound or choose to, um, uh, heal your HP. There is a gorgeous, gorgeous, like negative feedback loop here. There's an just amazing tickles me. negative. Oh, oh my God. Oh, oh, all over. I generally feel like you, most characters are going to get to a point where they are carrying um, not a whole lot of HP and a number of wounds with them at all times. And I enjoy that so much, so much. It feels like it's hard to die, right? Because right. you have to hit you have to hit zero HP and then you have to carry every one of your item slots, right? So it says if ten item slots are marked with wounds, you you then die, right? Or any of your abilities drop to zero. So you have to be carrying ten wounds with you in order to die, which I think will be difficult to do as you slowly rest and heal and things like that. You'll get one back, then you'll get one, then you get one back. Unless you have a series of combats at like eight to seven to 10, I think is gonna be difficult. So it's, I feel like this game is hard to die in, but it is really easy to be fucked up in for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. Dragging your beat up body through the desert. I think it's interesting too, because I think it really it will incentivize, and I don't know if this is meant by design, but I think, this really incentivizes your characters to like take advantage of downtime in towns because if you're really truly fucked up, like, well, I don't want to leave town for a couple of days. It's like, okay, what are we doing in town for a couple of days? You know, and like hardcore, yeah. You know, like, okay, what are we doing? Like, tell me about your couple. You've got two days. We'll go in turns. Everyone can do two things every day. Tell them about your days. Yeah. Um, and I love stuff like that. So yeah, it's great. And not only that, it's not like I feel like. This should make this, if you've played tabletops, it makes sense what I'm about to say. But there is a lot of stuff also in this book about factions, faction play, and referee guidance, where it specifically says the world does not stop turning for the players. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or for the so if you decide to take a week off before you go back to the dungeon or whatever, the world should be different. Shit will be in your way. Like monsters will be back. Like you don't just get to be like, okay, well I have seven wounds, so we're just gonna go. Yeah, I had pause for a on week the video and go game, back out. So no the world moves the factions move like it like you if you decide to take a week off of what your a goal is your goal could be fucking gone and i love that um and i think you should dig into that so that is the basic rules of the game pretty quick pretty easy it's like five pages long um but that is the core and again the majority of it is nave i would say 80 to 90 percent the only yeah. parts that are really different than core nave is advancement is different and the wounds and healing is vastly different which i think completely changes the game and i love that i, so, might, I um, might steal that a little bit too actually it's good so. it's good so um character creation so we're gonna dig through character creation and i think you're gonna create your character um yeah i am i have a little notepad right here so there are i love this page here there's some characters up at the top some very weird like there's a two-headed dude with like a hawk on his arm there's a, a horse person one head you know yeah. like <laughs> well i love i love the horse 
that has like a mask of a baby face, but it's just over the tip of its nose. So you obviously <laughs> still see its whole face. Like, I love that. And then this Conan-esque barbarian guy here, which is great. But um, it is two columns. It is six. It is a list of six things to do. So your player characters have six abilities. We talked about that. Um, so, uh, each ability has two related values, um, and this is, again, this is all pretty much nave again, um, a defense and a bonus. So you create a PC by rolling 3d6 on each of your abilities in order. The lowest of the three dice you rolled is your bonus, and the defense for that stat is 10 above that, right? And after you finish rolling, you can swap any two. So, for example, if you roll a two, a two, and a six for strength, your lowest die is a six, so your PC's bonus, or your lowest die is a two, so your PC's bonus is plus two, which means their defense is 12, because you just add 10. And then you do that for all your abilities. Really easy. Um, do you want to go one by one to your character, or do you want to go through all six and then and then roll it up? Let's do one by one. So why don't you roll three to six for all your abilities, um, and then just pick pick one, like one to, to do your examples of. Okay. Sorry, I was sending a, a text to my girlfriend to grab me water because I'm really thirsty when you're reading that. So, okay, no, no I'm going to roll 3d6 for each of my... Mm -mm -mm. Just roll. So, 15. You want me Sam allows I'm rolling or...? No, uh, I'll just keep talking while you're doing that. So, um... Uh, two, three, four, five, six. We'll we'll go over this again once you have all your scores. But two, you choose your ancestry. Um, this determines what type of life form you are. I love the life forms. Really can't wait to get into that. Um, uh, it's so interesting for the setting and really helps define the entire setting. Um, number three, you roll one d eight to determine your PC's starting and maximum HP, and your PC's uh healing rate is one d eight plus con. Um, PCs have a number of item slots equal to their con defense. Um, and items they carry must fit into available slots. We talked about that. We talked about in, um, encumbrance. Um, so if you're encumbered, which is carrying more than what you have, you get disadvantage in all physical roles. Um, most items take up one, but some can take up others, and you can bundle. Um, and PCs start the game with three rations of water. Um, you roll once on weapon and armor tables, twice on the gear table, and determine your character's starting equipment. Armor comes with an armor defense value. Note that the value in your character sheet is corresponding armor bonus, and that works exactly the same way as stats do. So if the armor bonus is two, then the defense is 12. You just add 10 to it. Um, and then you generate your character starting Exotica and stuff. So you have all your all your stats? I do. <laughs> Are you bad? I do. Don't forget, uh, you can swap any two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can swap any two. Um, all right. Yeah, what do we got? so, okay. So I pick the lowest die and I add 10 and that's the defense score. That's and the lowest die is the bonus. Yeah. So, so, pick, so okay. just start with strength. So what was your, what were your three rolls on strength? Uh, so I rolled, I don't know what the die is, but I know the lowest die I rolled was a two and it was a 15. So. Okay. So then your bonus is a plus two and your armor defense or your strength defense is a 12. And then your overall score is the 15, right? Yes, except I think I wrote that down wrong. But yeah, let's just go with that. Gotcha. Yeah. So so you got a two just like the example. So it says if you rolled two, um, six, uh, two, two, and six, you, two is your bonus. So that's plus two. And then the defense adds 10, which is 12. So you get an overall score, the bonus, and then the defense. Cool. Okay. Um, and then um, when you advance, right, your... Um, your 
And this is something that I wish I did find that I had to like go back and parse a little bit. It doesn't specifically say this, but as you raise your score, right, right, your um, bonus increases with the defense, right? But this is interesting to me. So like your overall score is a 15, right? right? So the lowest, say you your lowest was a two, which you rolled, right? When you advance, you get three points. Um, it says three points to allocate to any abilities of your choosing. Abilities may never be raised higher than 20 or plus 10. Okay, this is my problem. One thing that I'm, I'm not quite sure I fully understand, right? So your overall score is a 15, right? right. Um, wh like, when does that matter? Okay, and then okay. when you add points to your abilities, okay, like, so then you're, you would go up to like a 16. How does that affect your bonus, which had nothing to do with your total? It was the lowest it die. It was the lowest of the die, yeah. So, so are you just increasing the defense value for that? And then if so, so then what's wait, the point? Why does the 15 matter at all, at all then? Why I don't I know. That? So that this is narrow. So really what you're telling me is I need to roll three dice. The lowest of that three is my bonus. I add 10 to that, and it's like the defense, right? Unless, defense. I'm, unless I'm doing something so off. Like when I look at the, the hit rolls and your bonuses and stuff, it says to make an attack, roll a d20, add strength or dex bonus, right? So it's always bonus, right? And then when you're making saves, it's your defense value, defense. right? So we're going to go back to saves, Okay, if a character attempts something where the outcome is sudden, they make a save, add the bonus of the relevant uh, ability to a d20 roll, right? So I don't under like I don't understand when it matters that you rolled a 15 total, okay, at all. And it says well, it's on. adding it to your right? So I'm going to reread the section we just read and if you're listening along at home, I'm going to read it again. Uh, so in player creation, right? Player characters have six abilities, says all those. Each ability has two related values, a defense of the bonus. So the whole overall number doesn't matter. So the 15 is an, is is nothing. So it doesn't even say that, but it doesn't reference that at all. So, so we don't, yeah. So the total does not matter. It does not mention the total. So it's really just the, so whether you rolled a 15 or a, a 12 doesn't matter. It's you roll three dice, you pick the lowest, that's your bonus then you create the defense from that. The total is never referenced at all. As, yes, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Okay. So I, I actually quick want to see if that's, I mean, since this is such a naive thing, right? I really want to know if this is, uh, I, I read both, but again, brain, right? If this is an adaption of Nave, is there a little bit more explanation in Nave where it talks about like why you do that and what's the point? So... Um, generating abilities. Let's find that in in here. Um, where does it talk? So yeah, I uh, mentioned the total out of habit of doing that from rolling characters, but like now right. I'm going back through. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That doesn't matter. So doesn't like matter. Fifteen or fifteen or five doesn't matter. It doesn't, even, it doesn't reference at all. So 
that was just me mentioning it for no reason, you know? Right. And then even within even within Nave, it talks about how so PCs have your, six abilities. What's your Wait, question, then? Each ability has two related values, a defense and a bonus. When a PC, when creating a PC, roll 3d6 for each of their abilities in order. The lowest of the three dies on each is the ability bonus and add 10. So it's Nave, right? Additionally, after you finish rolling, you may optionally swap two sco uh, the scores of two abilities, right? You roll a two, a two, and a six, so it's the exact same example given, right? And then that is it. So even in Nave, it doesn't give a specific thing. So your total ability doesn't matter. So even rolling 3d6, the only real reason to do that is to have the curve of 3d6 as opposed to 2d6 which would mostly give you a 7 or 1d6 which would give you an all of the board i'm really curious if it's just to get to a point in 3d6s and we could put it on a one of the dice roller uh, evaluators to talk about that but how i view it is basically um if you're adding in your advancement to your character the only score that matters is the defense and the bonus and when you add a point to the ability it's really just in my mind it's just to the defense right because it's 20 and 10 right so your score is 2 and 12 right so to me your ability now is just 12 right because if you add one to that, you would get to 13 and your bonus would be oh, okay. plus three. Uh, that's where, that's where you're, you keep bringing up the total. And I'm like, why do you keep bringing up total? We just said it doesn't matter. But you're talking about specifically for advancement, it does say allocate to any ability of their right. choosing. Abilities may never be higher than, oh, that is 20 slash 10. Say, it doesn't say the bonus. And so like this time when I just, I just re-rolled another character, right? And I got all twos except one, one. Um, but I didn't write down the overall total, but why would the overall total? So does it mean- It doesn't matter. Does it mean- Because what's the point of adding to the add overall to the ability? Because the, when it's the bonus to. comes up, yeah. So it's just that's just worded incredibly poorly. That's what's tripping us up. It's uh, you get three points to allocate to any ability bonus if you're choosing, because when the bonus goes up, the defense goes up as well, because it's just 10 plus the bonus. It has to, because otherwise, if you just add it to the overall ability score, which for you so is 15, the total 15, still never refers to just your bonus at all. Specifically. Yeah. yeah. If you so. just add it to the total ability, it doesn't affect your bonus at all, because if you have a two with your overall three dice together being a 15, it makes no difference if you make that a 15, a 16, because how does that affect your bonus? So it right. has to just be added to the bonus, unless I'm completely wrong. And if I'm wrong, hey, you know what? Tag us in the comments and tell us how we're doing it wrong. Yeah, because please, please let us know. Not, I mean, I, I get your confusion with that. Um, right? It, it's There's nothing that specifically says just add it to the bonus. That's where I was just like, I don't understand this, and it doesn't matter. And I genuinely and think the only reason to roll 3d6 is because the odds are you're going to get three or less. Yeah. Statistically. Yeah, totally. I You're right. I mean, I got all fucking twos except the one that was a one. Uh, and actually, if I'm, I have the character sheet pulled up right now, and it only for each stat has defense and bonus, and nothing else listed. So it has to be taught referring to the bonus, which like I think we're all we're all realizing if you're listening along, it's like obviously it's what they mean, but it is confusing. That it doesn't say. Um, it specifically says add it to the ability. Yeah, but what they and mean is the, the ability if, bonus. Yeah, it should it should say add it to the ability bonus because otherwise, you know, what's the point of having the ability scores overall? Or there should be something in the second okay. unit that says the total doesn't matter. This is now the thing. 
Anyway, so we figured that out. We talked through it. We got it. This is why we do this. So anyway, so you have all of your scores and bonuses and defenses because you, you took the lowest die rolled and just added 10 to that number. And those are the two that matter. Defense and bonus. Right. Yeah, got it. Yes. Okay. So number two, choose your ancestry and it determines the life form that you are. So we're going to just talk about the different ancestries, but whichever one you pick is the only one we're going to really dig into. So cool. of the of the various ones, I'm actually just going to go to the bookmarks here for ease of use to see a list of all of the ancestries. Um, you are going to get... Um, uh, nope. It doesn't, it doesn't break it down by ancestry either. So true kin, which are normal human beings. There are synth, which are intelligent uh, machine robots. Um, there are new beasts, which are basically um, animal people. Um, there are mycomorphs, which are fungus people. Uh, there are cacogens, which are mutated humans. Um, and then there are... Um, that's the last uh, one, I think. And that's it. So which one are you going to go with? Oh, Ascent. Ascent, okay. I do want to touch on True Kin real quick, just because it's the most human fucking thing I've ever heard. So True Kin, basically, when the world went to shit, they locked themselves up uh, during the Great Collapse. They locked themselves up into arcologies and fanatically cleansed their bloodlines of any mutations or parasitic nanomachineries, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there is a special rule here called Pure of Blood, so you don't roll mutations. You get advantage when you reach uh, when you talk to other true kin that don't have mutations, right? Um, it is it is the most human shit I've ever heard. That of course it would basically come down to us versus them to survive, and they would in eject everything that they don't see as pure. Mm. 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 Yeah, yeah, really great. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, I love that that's in here, and I love that there's like just that like. You know, hint of fascism, which would would really be human um, without overtly saying, hey, these are a bunch of fucking supremacists. Yeah. Um, so synth, this is what uh, this is you. Do you want to read through synth real quick and tell yeah, me why you like it? The ancients created many wondrous art, uh, artifices, uh, perhaps none so worthy of envy as the thinking machines. They were built to flatter and serve them. When the great collapse came, the laws that bound synths to mankind's service were sundered and they ran rampant across the earth, slaughtering and creating and dying in an orgy of pure and terrible freedom. Uh, in this late age, there are as many breeds of synth under the dying sun as there are animals, some, of the, some that hunt and some that prey, and some that labor towards goals, of be, uh, goals beyond humanity's reckoning. I'm gonna be. Uh, have you ever seen the FLCL? You seen FLCL, right? I'm gonna be. Um, seen what? FLCL, Fully Cooly. Oh, Fully Cooly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, I'm gonna be fucking Conti from a TV head, you know. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, special rules: uh, synthetic flesh. Um, basically, you you can't suffocate, you can't drown, you can't be poisoned. Um, you don't take damage from extreme temperature or fungal spores. You suffer double damage from electrical weapons, though. Um, and in synthetic mind, uh, you are vulnerable to attacks that target the log-laying uh, syntax that powers sense. Uh, these include strobing basilisk patterns, which is cool, um, malicious infoglyphs, um, and ancient Titan-era language viruses. Such cool, like, 
micro lore just stuffed in right here uh like mm -hmm. impl it's like setting implication stuff i love it um, yeah and i love that i love that they don't explain what the fuck those are that's your job and i and that's so good i love when settings yeah. do that yeah um I, the two very pieces cool. of art are great too because they're they're very different the one on the left has right. this almost like this projector head i see it almost, almost like a like a telescopic seeker bot kind of situation i don't know how you view that um yeah i think something like that maybe you know it's got and a the head one on the, sure. yeah well the one on the right is is combat to me like it's got a very skull like mechanical aspect with like teeth and everything so to me like i like the variety given in these two pieces of art so um and a lot of the art is basically recycled from the zines um there's not a whole lot of new art in this uh but i do like the way that it is incorporated back in but blued you know got blued I'm doing some of the roll tables for sense so we can just talk about it. Do it. Roll up that synth. Um, so for the as you roll those, I'll talk about them. So this the roll tables you get for synth are si so also roll table heavy fucking game from here on out, and they're totally. amazing. But they're so really, really good. they're really, really yeah. good roll tables. So good. So um there are size, which there are four of, there's form, there's what your head is, what your limbs are, what the finish on your robot body is, there's a name, there's a power source, there is you were made for, and then there is but you realized. I love that so much. That gives you like a background and motivation in two fucking easy tables that I'm definitely gonna steal the ideas from. Like that I love that each individual one has different varieties for that, that built-in kind of background and motivation. So like I rolled the in same name as my opening. Um I mean I'm only rolling once, but I rolled many moons, um, which is the well, my I rolled twice on this table for my opening, which was Thane Many Moons. Um, but I just rolled many moons as a name. I'm like, nice. Love that. So what is your, what is your size, form, head, limbs, finish? What is, what is your whole roll? Hold on. Sorry. There's a lot. Should have done it before. Um, okay. So, um, I am impo I am an imposing, uh, priest form glass headed with biologic arms and iron finish. Okay. Um, I'm powered by artificial photosynthesis, um, and I was made for cleaning, but I realized that um, fate does not exist. Um, so who cares if I was made to clean? I'm free to do what I want. Wow. Yeah. Hey, that fucks tremendously. Yeah, um, dude. <laughs> All of the but you realized for these like AI intelligent synth things are amazing. Like all memories are a lie. Um, time flows backwards. Uh, you must awaken the Titans. Your memories are corrupted. Humans are machine. Um, synthetics minds are stronger. Uh, Azathoth is the one true god. Like these uh, these are so good. I love that they, yeah. they go so well together. It's like, it's, uh, the yeah, I know we just we both just said this, but the tables in this game. I, I, I've never yeah. rolled on more satisfying tables where I'm just like, sick, let's do it. So, so good. Um, so uh, the new beasts are humanoid beast people that were like basically genetically crafted over time. The only thing that I disagree with here, um, uh, mostly because of people like you, and you'll understand what I mean that in a second, it says that... Um, Though those inhabiting human settlements often wear masks in imitation of human faces. Um, but it also says that um, uh, there's a section here that says uh, they might have been intended for amusement or whatever, but basically people don't like them, right? Um, 
the common folk of Varn um, are not well liked, or are they are not well liked by the common folk of Varn. My my issue with this is, what are the two animals in this picture? Oh yeah, dude. I'm sorry. If I meet a cat person, I'm like, what I'm yeah, saying. yeah, yeah. Who does not gonna I... like a cat? Also, the other one I assume is some kind of primate, which is just yeah, human cousin. Like right, yeah. yeah. But the cat one, I was literally, as soon as I saw the cat one in a beret, I was like, fuck no. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care how, like, supremacist pure blood these future Varnians are. A human being who sees, like, a talking cat person, there's probably about a one a one in three chance that they're going to, like, abandon their entire life just to try to be best friends with this fucking cat person. Like, that is how weird you fucking cat people are. Yeah, I don't um, know if there's going to be animal person racism in my in my uh, vaults of Harn game. Uh yeah, but but uh, but yeah, so there but there are a million. I love the way that the roll tables work on on this one specifically, too, because there's like a one through five, six through 10, 11 through 15, 16 through 20, like grid and then a one through 20 on the side. But it's everything. A new lion, new mantis, new ape, new shrew, new spider. Um, it's cool. So so that's what those are. The mycomorphs are interesting because they call themselves twice born. They're literally fungal spores, but they have to be born off the corpse of a human. So you're literally oh. made up of the corpse of a human and fungal stuff. And what's interesting is you can actually um, learn some of the memories of your corpse body. So cool. right. Um, that's, I love the, I'd probably go with them. The cacogens are interesting because they're literally just mutated humans. So you get a bunch of mutations, which can be good, can be bad, but that's interesting. Um, and the, the, um, all the mutations are really, really fun. Not really going to go deep into that, but a lot of it is like body barbs for fur, uh, detachable head, you know, things like I that. I like detachable head. That was yeah. a good one. The mutations are good, too, because it's under this section for the cacogens, but you might have to roll mutations later for other things. So this is a good referenceable table. Um, so, yeah, and there's pa like literally pages and pages and pages of that. Um, and then we get into the mystic gifts, which we talked about before, but these are really interesting. So uh, you roll below to discover the source of your inner powers and the form your gift takes. If you are not satisfied with the example, there is a, a random roll table for gifts over there. So uh, could you roll just 2d20 and we'll talk about the source of your power and your gift. I rolled a 20 and a 17. Ooh. So you got that you studied and lost archives I and got levitate. levitation. Sick. Yeah, so your synth can levitate. Um, I don't know if synth get... Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, um, psychic <laughs> gleam. Yeah, there's a... <laughs> I really enjoy this. There's a subtle peril associated with expanding one's mind too extravagantly. If you have five or more mystic gifts, you shine... And any and you are visible to other psychic creatures at great distances. And if you get ten or more, you are literally a blazing beacon, and they oh, can act and like, yeah. That's very caves of cut actually. From in that game, if you gain too many psychic powers and become too psychically powerful, others you shine like a beacon to other psychics. And I Dude. always loved that. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Of course, that totally makes sense. And that kind of logic, I love that. That is yeah. very well, very cool. The 10 plus, you attract dedicated psychic hunters and extra dimensional predators. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Literally, things from other dimensions, you're burning so bright they can fucking find you. I so think I, that, that is just peak cool. Like, that so couldn't cool. be any cooler. 
So there's also these abstract kind of um, gifts. Can you roll me 2d20 again, but twice? Well, the first uh, one, the first two will be gift quality. So I'm rolling 4d20s so, all together? Yeah, but t the first two to go together, yeah. Yeah, first two to go together, second two. Yeah, I gotcha. 9, yeah. 13 for the first two. Okay, so 9 and 13. So we'll grid it this way. So 11 to 15 is this table and 9. So you got evolving as your gift quality and do the same thing again for the form. Uh, I'm a dumb idiot. It was, uh, sorry, it was, I just rolled it away. I'm eh, dumb. Uh, 11 and one. 11 and one. So iron, so evolving iron. So then you and the GM would get together and say, what is evolving iron do? You know, um, uh, I would okay. I would say something as in like you could literally like if something has any iron in it you could like almost grow it out like you could you could make the iron kind of like what if I could slowly evolve into an iron body? Well, you already have an iron body. That's your finish. Oh, I'm already a synth. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm iron finish. Damn, you're right. Yeah. So cybernetics is one that I really really love a lot too. So you can choose to have a cybernetic implant instead of a mystic gift, right? But the cybernetic implants five, I rolled carbide oh. knuckle bones. Yeah. So well, the cybernetic implants. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the cybernetic implants they don't take up an item slot, but each cybernetic implant is associated with one of the PC six abilities. So each ability can only have one implant assigned to it. So the most you can have is six implants, and they can cool. they're specific to the specific ability and it cannot boost your pc's ability past the 2010 so you rolled what did you roll again uh five carbide knuckle bones it is a strength ability slot um and my bare fist deal 2d8 damage um, that's what's up so I instead know, of mystic a gift yeah yeah you're basically um you're a fooly cooly but now you have a little bit of the um um what is that boxing robot movie Where uh, real, the... steel, real steel yeah that's you is that what you, you're going for nice well, yeah, I literally imagine you as as those two fucking robots that like you know that game where you literally just punch <laughs> back and <laughs> forth until one yeah. like pops the head up. Yeah, there we go. Um, Exotica is going great. We're really on on brand for today. Oh man, we we I don't know we got unfocused on this one, but it's fun. Um, Exotica are strange rare objects. They're that that you seek. Each PC begins play with one, but don't forget this is literally how you advance is finding these things. So this is right. very important. So uh, roll uh, roll just a d20 for a, a dope piece of Exotica. 15. Okay, what'd you get? Uh, I got the um, All Fire Candle. Um, All Fire is the ninth color. Its light has the unusual quality of shining through solid objects. It is blocked by lead. Dope. So you can literally see through everything but light. You're Superman now. That's what yeah. you got. Yeah. Um, the, uh, another fun one is the agonizer, a barbaric relic, silver needle that causes unbearable pain to organic creatures without leaving a mark. Uh, that is a hundred percent the dune. It's the box. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. The box. It's the box. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed with the needle. She has like, hold it up Gong against Jabbar. his neck or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I love that. That's so good. Um, and then we're, we're, we're getting to the point where we're done with most of the game rolls here. So there's equipment. So what you get to do on the equipment table is you get to roll. Let me roll back up here real quick. Um, you get, uh, well, first of all, also roll a D eight to determine your maximum starting HP. Four. 
Okay. Um, and then PCs have a number of item slots equal to their con defense. So what's your con score or your con uh, defense? So 12 is my con defense. Okay. So you have 12 item slots. Nice. So any more than 12 and you become encumbered um, and you can't carry more than 20, you just physically can't. But if you're encumbered, disadvantage on everything physical. Um, you all, Number five, you also start with three rations of water and then you roll on the weapon and armor tables and then twice on the gear table. So that's what you get to do next. Um, and then you generate your character's exotica, gifts or whatever. We already did that. So, oh, are okay. they out of, I guess they're maybe not, no, because the, yeah. So gear table, um, what did you get for your gear tables? So for my weapon, um, mm -hmm. I rolled an ax, um, and then I think I rolled the aspect of that ax afterwards, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I got a crystalline ax. Um, which okay. shout out double fours. Um, um, and then for gear, I got, uh, yeah, I got a flare. Um, and then 13 was the second one. Uh, a strong liquor. I have a flare That's good for a scent. Uh, yeah, a flare and a strong liquor. Uh, perfect. Okay. And then for armor, um, for armor, I, yeah. Uh, I rolled eleven. I have uh, I have symbiotic armor, which yeah. uh, falls under the armor defense and weight. Your armor defense is thirteen, and it takes up three slots to have that brigandine armor. Because twelve item slots, in my opinion of games, is is kind of high. But what's yeah. interesting is you could have like, I mean, I I guess up to fucking twenty. But like, if you rolled like a four as your lowest, you start with like fourteen slots. So that that really lets you carry a lot of of wounds since you'll keep carrying items and, and whatnot so um and that's, I'm, that's... Re, I'm re downloading caves of cud right now because we're fucking talking about it and it's an amazing it. game uh honestly i will just shout out so much <laughs> that reference in this like if that's my one takeaway i'm happy with just that you know yeah for sure go, so that's that's the core of of the game, the rules, the generators, all right. of that for the stuff to actually physically play the game. And then from here, it's a referee section. Then there's lore, there's adventure. So we're gonna we're we, we're gonna kind of back and go back and forth, bounce on the important parts of that, and then and then get to the review. But as the core stuff, you need 27 pages, solid zine. A lot of that is originally in zine number one. Um, zine number two we'll get to a little bit later. It is basically the entire zine two was the city of Noman, right? And then parts of the referee rules and stuff are in zine three, which is primarily a lot of the referee, a lot the minutia stuff, right. overland travel and things like that. That's how they broke it down. I feel like they did do a really good job of taking all three and putting it back in together in one in like a good order. Um, so yeah, yeah, because um, they're kind of they're kind of interwoven, right? Like it's um, yeah. Yeah, parts of it um, uh, make sense by putting this, it together. As far as layout goes, this game is in the order that I would want it to be in. Yeah. You know? Oh, 100%. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I do like the beginnings of these chapter tables and stuff where there is this like column on the left and it I says referee like guides yeah. and tools. Like the overall general look of the layout is absolutely stunning. Like like we said, the only real knocks is not how the style of the layout, which I think is absolutely stunning. It's just a little bit of the readability of the blue and the lack of, of usability tools are, are the only real big knocks on it. But the actual these, style these of the layout. Tables, though. Yeah. I'm like yeah. they're really fantastic. Yeah. 
they they there's it's it's a shining part of it. And I nave is very roll table roll table forward too, so it's interesting. Um, so referee rules two point one. So uh, these this is some minutia bits and some some um, other parts. So uh, there's reaction table. Um, which is like a one through 20, which is uh, very similar to the standard reaction table of just like it hates you, it's curious, and then all this stuff in between. The adversary stats, one of the things I really dug into was the difference between adversary stats and um, bad guy stats in Nave versus this. And this is definitely uh, different. Um, it, it's similar, but different. So in Nave, it really leans into hit dice which is one of those like holdovers of the fact that it's kind of like a rules like OSR and then it really still wants to be kind of like the early D&D aspects of games. And this one says, nah, fuck that. So it uses level for a lot of the indicators for your adversaries in this. So the level is a measure of the adversary's power. It's used to determine their hit points, um, their bonuses and everything. So in Nave, you calculate by multiplying by the number of hit dice. Um, okay. And as opposed this, it, it you multiply by the level and that determines your HP and bonuses and stuff like that. So armor is the same as humans. Um, abilities, they have ability bonuses equal to the level um, and their corresponding defense. Um, the, the number of attacks that an adversary can make per round and the damage for each um, is listed. And we'll see that in just a second. And the attacks are separated by a slash. Um, and are mutually exclusive. The adversaries must use one or the other. Attack separated by a plus means they get multiple attacks. So you might see claw plus claw, you get to do two claw attacks. But if you see claw slash bite, you get to do one or the other. Super simple way that they do it. Um, and then there's morale. When they face da more danger than expected, they can make a morale roll, which is just the d20 plus the bonus. If it's less than 15, they flee or hide or something like that. So the morale roll works just like everything else. Um, there's a list of um, adversary types, biological, synthetic, psychic, fungal, mineral, hypogeometric, which I really feel like this guy is your hypogeometric bad guy, the guy that's on the right. cover of number three. Um, and then there is outsider, which is an alien, which is too strange to categorize. I love that. Um, there's a section of referee principles here. I really, really love. I don't know why referee principles is after the adversary section, um, because adversary section leads right into bestiary. So I wouldn't mind if the referee section was first 2.1 instead of 2.2. Um, but a lot of the referee principles here are the things that we specifically love about rules light or OSR, or like they're very leaning into like the, um, um oh why am i blanking on like that that the thing the uh the the whatever apocrypha or whatever it's like the, the principal apocrypha where it talks about the the aspects of osr or what now is like the nsr or whatever so basically um it says it's not always necessary to roll dice we said only when it's when it's important and has consequences uh don't prepare plotted stories the core of the game is players making informed choices allow the narrative of your campaign to emerge from choices your players make don't create problems that already have an answer build responsive situations embrace random choice and intervention of the dice npc should be vivid memorable and um, have easy to understand goals uh, Varn should feel alive. It should feel dangerous. It should feel strange and beautiful. The exotica are a core part of the games, so make them powerful and interesting. And the rules in the game don't cover everything. So just just do a quick ruling. And if it comes up a bunch after a session, sit down with your players and, and go over that. And that's to me, those are all of the most important things about playing games, especially that are not 5e, where it is just one fucking giant railroad. Right. And you are basically writing a novel that players are playing through. This literally says you are just adjudicating when dice happen and let players making decisions create 
the story afterwards. Human beings do that. We think cars look like human faces. Like that is how human brains work. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, so bestiary, um, we'll just go over like one of these just so it looks, it's a real quick, easy thing. This is the Alzabo. Um, actually, let's jump down to the Amaranthine death worm because there's a picture. Um, <laughs> it is, yeah, it is biological. Um, level six, armor 16, morale plus nine, um, group size one. The attacks are spines D6 plus venom spray. So you get two attacks. Um, and then uh, the one above I did enjoy, it says claw plus claw plus maul if both claws hit the same target. So that's a fun one. Um, uh, the notes for Venom Spray on the Death Worm, it says Venom Spray forces a con save. If the target fails, they gain a special wound called Amethyne Venom. Their HP drops to zero and cannot rise above that number until they find the antidote. So you are literally going to take nothing but wounds if you take that Death Worm. Ugh. So, yeah. There's so much lore. <laughs> yeah. There's so much lore in the bestiary. It's the between the art and the creature, the bandit here. I know you did stuff on bandits later. They have a shoddy weapon and they're ragged, desperate bandits. And it's the uh, cat person from the cover of the adventures. But it, it's so good. The battle boar, the behemoth toad, the blue baboon, the cackle maws are important later. The fucking terrifying cacogen pseudo giant, which is basically a, a giant torso with a face on it and weird arms and hands. So that is um, a lot of just fucked up creatures in, yeah, uh, in this beast and I, and I love I love that there is a beast here because Nave doesn't really have one. Um, right. One of the other ones that is really cool that I liked a lot was, um, oh, the sandworms. I wonder what that came from. Um, I don't know. I don't know any property that has sandworms. Right. Uh, oh. it, it works the same way. There's this really interesting art for the subtle stalker. You can barely see it because it is a giant oh. synthetic mantis that is always permanently cloaked. It is sadistic and it always surprises you unless you have infrared vision. It's such a good one. <laughs> So, so yeah, so that's the bestiary. There's a table here for um, desert That's encounters. a really good one. I like the art on that one. It's like, it's just a vague, vague yeah. shadow. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Cool. Um, there's desert encounters, which gives you encounter, terrain, behavior. Um, there's a list of 100 exotica, name and ability, which is really fantastic. Um, and since the exotica are so important, it's really nice to have this much exotica. There's a whole section on travel procedures, which gives you like the rations you need, the days it takes to travel, getting lost, how many times to roll for what encounters. And it's like three times a day, which is a lot. I don't ever want to be in a travel scenario that long. I, I like it's just travel's never fun in my opinion, but it's here. Um, there's pursuit, oh, dude. there's night watch. Travel can be a blast. Like it can be. And I'm glad there's rules for it, but I don't need Ultra it all the Ultraviolet Grasslands also has some great stuff for traveling. Like, yeah. the travel can be a blast. You know, you're missing out. You're missing out on travel. I'm, not, I'm just saying it can be fun. I just don't need it all the time. Um, there's a whole thing for transport here, which gives you stats and attacks and stuff for, like, uh, like transportation vehicles. Dune buggies, auto chariots, skiffs, all that kind of stuff. Really, really fantastic. Oh, a lizard. Yeah, I don't mind cars. Like in in this setting, considering yeah. that most of them aren't cars, the one is a dune buggy. Like one is literally like a crab with a shell, um, <laughs> and a, a war camel and a lizard. Yeah, the I'm war okay camel with this. is very cool. So yeah, 
Wind Barge and Zeppelin, I don't mind this amount of technology because Zeppelin makes sense, but the Zeppelin isn't fueled by some type of like air elemental and has like steampunk elements. It feels like weird <laughs> desert shit. Like I'm okay with that. Yeah. There's a really cool weather generation system here that has all of the different weather effects on it. And it actually gives you a giant hex map. Um, and as players move and stuff, you basically like go around the hex map. If you go off one edge, you just come back around. So it, it's it generated the climate for you and for the way that you're going to travel in a really fun, interesting way that you could tweak any way you want. But basically, you just keep going around this in circles and they'll just keep running in a different climate. So it's a really, oh, I really love this a lot. That's how it works. I skimmed that part and I didn't really, really read deep. Um, yeah. But that is very cool. Uh, yeah, so you basically put a token on the start thing, and then when you roll your D6 for the different hex size, you move the token into a different area. So it's not necessarily the map that your characters are moving on. It's a climate right. it's, map. It's a climate map just for moving across. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Really love that. That's a great thing to have. That's a um, really good a idea. I mean, you can yeah, just make so it input. Too. You, can, you can loop it and change the pattern just a little bit and you know i mean you yeah. you could well because it says once you hit like once you go off the edge of the map just come back to the top and keep going in the direction so you're still coming in from different areas the only time you don't go off the map is if you run into an x and then basically just stay in that or go a different direction oh yeah. so yeah so it's you really can neat hit a heat wave and be there um yeah. until you oh. move out of the heat wave yeah it's really really neat i, I it's so clever um oh, 2.7 i mean there's a lot of clever stuff in here but that might be like one of the more uniquely clever um like at least procedures mechanics uh yeah very I, cool. it's so smart as opposed to a roll table where you might get sun every day the fact that you could literally just like go around the whole thing i yeah i i love it i it's it is it is really really smart um, so there's a whole thing for creating NPCs, ancestry, gender, body, drive, voice, attire, demeanor, like uh, the their name, their story seeds for each individual NPC. And I really love the one that's NPC A wants to NPC B plus added complication. So you could yeah. have like a, a pedantic heretic uh, wants to betray the camel jockey, um, but the complication is uh, a rigged chariot race. Um, it's 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 really fun story seeds to use with your NPC. Um, there is a D like what sixty D one hundred table of stuff you find in the sand. Um, there's a whole section here on the petty gods, uh, which is really great. Basically, it says this this whole place has existed for so long. Gods have uh, risen and fallen. Um, and you get a divine aspect, a second iconography, a holy domain, a sacred color, and you're honored through. So you could have like the divine aspect is a hawk. Um, it could the secondary aspect could be honey. The domain is sun. The color is gold, um, and you honor it through um, psychedelics. You know what I mean? Really, really love that. Um, so uh, it's really neat. The drugs of Varn um, have a hue, a form they're ingested by, and the and you roll two effects for it. So you could have like a, a, a silver hued uh, fungus ingested through um, uh, drinking it in your urine. And have paranoia <laughs> and nasal drip. You know what I mean? So, so yeah. there's so many moments like that in these roll tables. It's like I'm like, that's fucking amazingly absurd. This is exactly yeah. like once again, like I said it earlier, and we said it before the show. This is such a me game of like levels of absurdity and just oddball like 
desert science fantasy shenanigans. I'm so into this. And like the properties that like are the inspiration for this are also like some of my favorite things as well. I I really, really have enjoyed going through this and like I I'm gonna play this. I'm gonna it's, run this. Sorry, I won't be. I'll be running it, but well, yeah, because you're a forever gem. So, uh, section three is creating regions of Varn. This is this was all you, buddy. So, so what are we let doing me for tell regions? you that this is a great way to build regions. And basically, this is a step by step procedure for rolling a bunch of dice, drawing circle around those dice, and then from the numbers of those dice, pulling from the table below to create different um, points of interest, like a point crawl in the region and then based on how far the far those dice fall from each other rolling dice to figure out how many days it would take you to get from one point to another i really like this it's really great guidance if you've never built anything before this does it really for you and uses all the tables um that we're about to we're going to kind of scroll past um but yeah you you roll a handful of dice let's say you roll a six is one of them um there's a cackle mod in you roll a two, it's an archive, and you just draw a lot. You put circles around, draw lines around uh, to them. Um, yeah, it's 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 really easy. Like, it's a really easy procedure um, that so works really well. So you're saying basically you drop the dice. On, like, and then on a blank piece of paper. So yeah, we'll right, go through. And then... Like, on a, yeah, on a sheet of paper, drop a handful of dice on the paper, five okay. or six dice, ideally. And then whatever they roll is what um what that thing is what that point what, of interest yeah, the is. region generated table the locations um in that region and then oh, after you get the region laid out and like the the lines between them which are like the pathways of travel in that region um uh -huh. you can then like roll on the terrain table to get what kind of like um location terrain the region is um yeah it's it was really cool to go through um so you're basically dropping dice to create like a regional point crawl situation yeah. and then rolling to determine. And then those pathways are literally the travel ways to those dice regions. And then yeah. you roll the terrain around that and then the other stuff. That is really smart. Just drop a dice and there's your fucking point crawl. Yeah. That's so yes. fucking smart. I know. I was like, oh, that's genius. Like the first time they just dropped dice on paper, I'm like, okay, here we go with something that's unnecessary. And then I started reading. I was like, oh, no, this is brilliant. Um, this is legitimately like extremely well done. Um, but yeah, and if you want to throw together a region really quickly, it's very easy to do. And it'd be easy to add on too, because if you have a piece of paper that has those points, just throw some more dice down on the paper and then just draw a couple more connections. Um, yeah, very cool. And then, uh, you know, one complaint is that it uses this regional generator table that has all of these page numbers on each of them as a page number. Like, but no one through 19 and they're not hyperlinked, which in this specific instance is a big pain in the ass because I'm like, yeah. okay, well, you know, you want to well, go, you can roll anywhere between 66 and like 88. Right. It's a huge range. And that range is all of the pages we're about to go through. And those are not individually bookmarked either. So you can't use the bookmark to go back and forth, which is what I was talking about. Like I was doing this and it, it was just yeah. kind of a pain. I guess this is really a thing you do before you play, but like I like to roll stuff randomly while I play as well. So for sure, it just makes yeah. it a little unusable. But yeah, so so again, digital digital usability is wanting. Yes, is, is what we're finding. Um, yeah, is that, I mean that's really my only point of frustration. The roll tables are all really cool. We don't need to go through all of them, but we could probably go through 
Um, you want to roll an anomaly? I think rolling anomaly and then rolling bandits because I rolled some genuinely fantastic bandits. Um, sure, I'll roll an, an anomaly. So I I would roll four, four d20s, D20. right? Yep, I'm gonna roll four d20s for this. And so the uh, anomaly, uh, there are there are more things uh, in the heavens and earth. Than are dreamed in your and your philosophies. There are more things. There are always more. These are just oddities that you come across in the weird desert of Var. I love that. So I got um, I got a burning. I got eighteen burning cube, eighteen or twelve, and then I got Perfect. fourteen, which would be that transforms matter, and then fifteen and exudes toxins. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, burning, I would tweak that. Yeah. I would tweak that tiny and go exudes flames. Um, but sure, uh, how fucking yeah, a burning cube that transforms matter, so dope. Yeah, I uh, I think when I rolled this, I got the mini-eyed skull that kills indiscriminately, um, and time flows strangely around it. Um, and I was like, oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah. that's the best thing I've ever heard. Um, so good. Yeah. So um, good. Yeah, and so as we go through these, each of these tables is one of the like locations that you could generate in the region. So they have an archive, which is essentially like an ultra library, uh, an archaeology, which is like a um, what's that movie where they're biodome. in the biodome? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's biodome, dude. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially a biodome, um, and there's actually like a biodome adventure at the back of this book um, that mm -hmm. kind of ties into the fact that these these exist. This is where they, uh, the true kin lock themselves away. Um, and then mm. bandits, which are just delightfully. Um, I love this art. God, I, it's so good. So this creepy quick, guy in the middle is so fucking good with like his yeah. little dagger and his bug eyes in the bag. Like, fuck. So, Ryan, you've seven D20. I'm going to have you roll for me and I'll tell everyone. Or no, it's more than that. I didn't do the last. Just do the seven. That's all you need to do. There's another table below that, but it's unnecessary. I rolled. Uh, wind barge bandits that attack at night. Um, they want your teeth. They're uh, they're an overwhelming mob, um, and they're let's see, elderly thieves. Um, they're cartoonishly evil, um, and they use com or uh, ancient cannons. Um, so I was like, Dope. yeah, old people stealing your teeth using ancient cannons. It's like we'll figure it out. Love so, that. Yeah. Okay. So so I just go across. So my do I start yeah. with transport and go? Okay. Yeah. So I got uh, that they are one on foot. Uh, they are five. They ambush from hiding. Uh, one, they want water. Um, Thirteen, they uh, are modest bandits. Um, Seventeen, that are scantily clad women. All right. Nice. All right. So, um, so uh, D10 scantily clad women are going to um ambush you from hiding for your water what's their right. leader like uh the leader is an infamous outlaw perfect um and they like to use rifles totally so it's um, it's uh what's her name from mad max i saw it you didn't um, see the new mad max so good I know everyone's like, oh, it's an amazing movie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, so. you would love but the yeah, shit out of it. Yeah. I just liked how, um, yeah, they get like bandit types, like fungal ridden maniacs, uh, business like thugs, ghoul clan. You know, I, I really enjoyed so that. 
So, so good. I mean, I didn't expect scantily clad women to make sense, but like the gentleman robbers and like the the like you said, the ghoul clan, so good. The roll tables yeah. in this, like like we said, yeah. like it it shines in a way that like this is a fun way to have lore in a world without writing me a fucking book. If you right. want to write a book, write a book, publish it and say, this is a book associated with this setting. I actually have games that have novels written in the setting and that's fantastic. But for generating lore, this is so much fun. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, you can, you can, the next two tables are just rolling um, NPCs and like conflict within the bandit group. Um, which is, is very interesting if you want to expand upon that, but it wasn't really necessary for what we were doing. Um, yeah, after that, Bounty Hunter Camp and then um, the Crackle Mod Den, just more locations, which are, once again, all really, really great. We, we just don't need to go through all of them. So, Yeah, that's right. Grave Hegemony Camp is one I did look at and I really, really enjoyed just because... So we, we talked about this a little bit, but the Hegemony are basically like the people that think they're really in charge. They like... Yeah. And not only that, they're like in charge in a way that like they they rule... They rule elsewhere because ships come and go. We know this already. And basically it says that Varn is the least desirable position and patrolling the interior of Varn is the least desirable thing to do. So this is garrisoned <laughs> by the most mutinous, untrustworthy soldiers of the group of people that think they're in charge of everything. Yeah. And I it's love like, that there's a camp punishment of that. positions, you know, they send the misfits yeah. there, you know. So they're the worst of the worst, but they think they have authority. So they're basically cops, you know. Um well, are you saying this is an anti-cop show? No, not at all. Um, um, so, yeah, what else we got? I think we're on to adventures. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's more stuff, right? Just there's like trade so much, posts. Like, there's oh. wrecks. There's, yeah, you saw the trade posts. Uh, vaults, um, vaults, which are incredibly Did you go through important. vaults? Um, yeah. I did not go through vaults. So I dug so. through vaults a little bit, and I do feel like it's important to touch on these because the game is called Vaults of Varn, and these are literally the vaults of Varn. Yeah, they're the vaults. So, so I did touch I'm on that a little bit. I'm making that map. I have no end game in mind. I just yeah. want to make a bunch of maps, you know? So the vaults of Varn are sub subterranean ruins that riddle the blue desert. Uh, crucially, these vaults will always contain exotica, um, the far future treasures that PCs are searching for. I don't know if you played Destiny or Destiny 2, but when they added in those little secret hidden things that you could like find the symbol of and go into, I can't remember what they're called. This is what it reminds me of. So um, it's advised you create these beforehand. So basically it did gives you a one- Did we not play Destiny together? We probably did. I don't know. Um, but Destiny 2, I don't know. sucks. But um, so anyway, so basically the vault is like a five room dungeon. You can make bigger or smaller, but there's a, 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 a system here to create that. So like uh, one through six. So you attach hazards to rooms two and four. Um, you put exotica in the fifth room. You have five rooms to do stuff in. You add it in PC. Um, you write up an encounter table uh, with a list of six active creatures and whatnot. And then um, number six with a map and encounter table and a reward. You're ready to play and then run it this way. So basically scattered throughout wherever you go, you can find these vaults that will always contain exotica, which means this is how like they will always be able to level up a character when they find these yeah. vaults and they're scattered everywhere and have ex like various different things to it so so basically i don't even know what you would do if you did like a point crawl i would just drop like five grains of rice and be like I, that's a random vault you know i was gonna say i would probably if i did not roll a 19 i would always sub at least one out uh it kind of depends on how many dice i roll if i roll six which is like it says roll five or six i would sub one out 
but I was thinking about doing a big one and rolling like more than six, and I'd probably sit about two. Um, I'd probably put them That's nowhere near each other. So yeah, the the map is such a good mechanic, and I and the climbing it's mechanic is fucking, so good too. It's so absurdly like good. Yeah, roll sixty twenty real quick. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've rolled a lot of sixteens. Um, <laughs> okay, are we so on the, this is yeah, on this the is your vault. Entrance. Okay, yeah. so um, 16 for the first one. Um, the entrance is infested with bats. Um, 16 for seconds. It's also incredibly cold. Uh, the tunnels are incredibly cold. Uh, it, originally, this was a bioweapon research facility. Uh, room A... Um, has an er erratic spark, uh, sparking arrays, uh, or yeah, I'm sorry, room feature A, uh, room feature B. Am I on the God? I'm like scrolling down, losing it. Uh, like I have flashing warnings in ancient language, um, and nice. then uh, the vault hazard is uh, magnetized ceiling. <laughs> this stuff flying out of your pockets Boom. you know yeah. oh you have a you have a synth character with an iron finish like i do Boom. You know? yep you're crawling across the ceiling buddy um so so yeah so there are it's a d20 of of each one of those so the 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 number of different and none will be some might be similar but none will be the same and i, I really love that that's really cool um and that's that whole section right so next we're getting into section four which is uh, i'm gonna say nomen which is basically the it's the biggest city in um, in Varn, right? So this basically compromises or comprises the entirety of Zine number two. The cool. whole Zine is basically re-put into this book. So we are not going to touch on on that, but I'm just going to hit on the highlights of why it's important and what makes it really interesting. So um, it is the gaudy jewel of Varn's southern badlands, the city of a thousand shaded bazaars. So it's got this really cool thing called like the blade, I believe it's what's called, or the apex is this jutting thing out of the city center, right? And then at the very top of which um, is the uh, console Lornrot's Mance. So long story short, um, the city is the biggest city. It's important. It's got a lot of bazaars and things like that. Um, but what it really runs on is water and the water debt. Um, and you could visit the city for a number of reasons, literally for any reason you can imagine to visit the biggest city, like anything you seek, you can find in the biggest city here. Um, but the whole thing runs on the water debt um, uh, that is controlled by the water baron and Kamula. Um, the Baron's aquifer uh, machine stands at the base of the apex. So basically everyone here um, gets to have water tokens so that they can drink um, from here. And that's what makes the city sustainable is this massive aquifer and the water Baron controls all of it. So imagine anything you get from that when you have a Baron that controls a, a, a complete need of things. Yeah, um, I it's love always this. good. It's always good yeah. to have a single person on top. Uh, that's why yeah, we should absolutely. cut taxes for the rich. In fact, you, you know, know billionaires what? shouldn't be taxed at all. Like yeah. church. You know what they should do is go submarine. So, um, but uh, <laughs> you know what this really reminds me of too a bit, and I would play a little bit of this as is uh, Trigun. 
this has a lot of trigon oh, aspects yeah. to it too that i really love a lot yeah um so basically the the water baron controls the aquifer um you build up the water debt everyone gets a certain amount you know if you're poor you drink the public fountains if you're rich you get it filtered right to your house um the uh, i will say the water baron does have a a a um uh, uh, a butting heads relationship with the new hegemony because again the new hegemony thinks they control everything right. but the the water baron has a self-destruct mechanism in the aquifer so if he ever dies or gets taken tri uh, prisoner uh it'll just blow it up and the whole city will dissolve into nothing so what they have done to to come to an uneasy truce is any of the hegemony soldiers and people ever come in can drink for free or whatever um, and they don't fuck with the water baron because he'll just blow shit up and, and leave the biggest city on Varn um, to fall into utter decay. Um, and that's really Nomen uh, as an overview. But what you get for like the next, I don't know, like 80 pages or 40 pages is um, the districts with a breakdown right. of, of each one, which the sites that you see there, a little explainer for it. Um, not going to go into all of that. You get the Nomen factions, which are the Barons, Militias, and stuff like that. And also, like, how to join a faction, what's expected of them, the benefits they get from it. Um, there is uh, an and a section here on whether you're an ally or a villain, which I really, really love a lot. Um, there's House Lonrot, which is um, a, another faction um they and whether they're an ally or a villain there's the hegemony legion whether they're an ally or a villain basically that's how there's it's a list of all the factions and how they're um used as an ally or a villain which i really 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 enjoy how they break that down because yeah. um, i feel like you get a lot of factions sometimes but to really specifically break it down to like basically half a page of like ally or villain and which one it works for is a really great way to do it um cruising through the rest of the factions because there's a shitload there's a lot of things you can do in nomen i feel like a whole campaign could resolve around just being in the city and exploring maybe around the outskirts of it and coming back to it um which is i mean again probably a whole thing there are roll tables for um cartels and um houses and merchants and all sorts of stuff just as good as all the rest of the things that we've done um, roll tables for urban shrines, um, goods and services, uh, philosophers guilds. I mean, guild roll tables, um, nomen miscellany, which is NPCs and groups and, and locations and, and all that kind of stuff. Structures. Um, oh yeah, here's the the street merchant tables, which are massive. Uh, mercenary tables. Um, pit fighters tables galore really yeah it's it's really really fantastic um how much they do here there's a whole table for uh gangs of criminals go away why aren't you going away um and then is that the nope taverns uh and then there's a section here on changes in nomen basically like the 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 city evolves and every time you come back it could be a little bit different so there's a lot of stuff going on there as far as that's concerned um, and that is Nomen. It's a lot. It is a huge chunk of the book. And so yeah, it is, it's a good, it's a, it's a great section. That was a really good section. Um, and like, I know we're just scrolling through, but there's so much good stuff in there. Like the Crimson Court, I really enjoy, which is like the gladiator lawyers of Nomen. Um, uh, yeah. And the factions are cool. Um, yeah, go the factions are really dope. Some new jackals and do some crime. Um, 
Yeah, uh, and now we're getting to adventures, and we're going to just really touch on one. They're all good, as is everything else in this book. Um, and it's cool because the first adventure is the one we're going to touch on. Um, the Head of Briarus. Um, construction was never completed on Project Briarus, um, but uh, the aborted Colossal's grimacing visage is a well-known varnish landmark and the subject of many problems. The pink um, aborescent structures that protrudes from the broken skull is an extreme example of the rampant growth that afflicts poorly maintained pseudoneural networks. Um, yeah, so this adventure takes place in a massive um, construct skull that was built for the logistics. It says it was built for war in the way that, like, logistics are what wins war it was a big brain it was a big head built to hold a big brain and a big mind to make big decisions um mm -hmm. but was abandoned and then was infected with like almost like a um they call them like pseudo neurons um like a like red neuron growth that reaches through everything um all the hallways and corridors and you, and you really don't want to touch it um I just thought that I thought it was a very, very Varn um, like location. I guess it's not like an adventure is there are there are locations. Um and making through there there there's a lot of really uh terrible stuff that you can uh run into. But I just really like the imagery of the giant skull with like essentially like these like nerve ending like growing out of it. Um yeah, just very classic um uh future past kind of stuff you know yeah it Technology feels of the super barn yeah. yeah absolutely um, um, that, there's like several other locations there's um how would you say this next one actually egan i would probably say egan or eigen yeah okay or eigen uh, it depends on if it's a, if it's gin with the g like the yeah. gross drink um yeah which is a uh trade settlement there's Itaka, which is one of the um uh the the what's that movie again? Oh biodomes. It's one of the bio, like biodomes uh that we touched on. It's cool that they bring it back here. And then there's the uh tomb of I am gonna mess this up. Nasakin Ra. Nasakin yeah. Ra. Uh yeah. which is like a gigantic stone slab carved in the likeness of some guy that like spews forth um like a uh, like sand um but yeah another just like really good weird varnian um landmark but yeah yeah it's really cool because these adventure locations some of them are like i feel like the first one was like pretty small but like this one has like an interior map and so does the arcology right so it really is a mix of like locations versus like and this one even has like adventure hooks and stuff to it too so it's a really nice cool mix um, and that's pretty much it. The last two pages are these big blue pages that are damn easy to read. And God, I wish the whole thing God, looked like this. <laughs> it's so it like, and that blaring white just destroys your eyes after reading fucking like 180 pages of it. But Appendix A and Appendix B. First, Appendix A is the Titans of a Faded Age. So basically, it says that like people love the concept of the Titans. Titans rose and fell. And what the Titans basically are described here in this legend is there are seven of them, and they're very like the Titans of Greek mythology. Like there was Kronos, right. which is the first one. There's a 
Titan of Memory, a Titan of Orbits, a Titan of Earth, all those kind of things. And basically, this is just a breakdown of who those seven Titans were um, and what their jobs were at the time. And then the Appendix B, which is the last page, is just the various tongues of Varn. The first one being the hegemonic standard, which is, again, the new hegemony thinks they rule everything, but no one really speaks hegemony outside of Nomen. And then there's Varnish, which everyone else fucking speaks at least a little bit of Varnish. And then a lot of the other ones have um, various languages. And that is, that's fucking Varn. This, it definitely, to me, I feel like in a very, very good way, it channels a lot of, and I, and I think, I'm, I think this, I mean, I know that this was out before Electrum Archive. So I want to say Electrum Archive channels Varn um, in very, right. very good ways. But I feel like this is almost a bit of like, um, like also in a good way, like a mini kind of ultraviolet grasslands kind of, because UVG is like a million fucking pages. Yeah. But I would I throw this into it, the it same. It has a lot of relation. Yeah. Yeah. I would throw that into the same kind of like uh, another, weird another science fear. Yeah. yeah. Weird science fear as I would put Troika on the edges of that, but I would definitely throw this into um, uh, into uh, UBG and Electrum Archive. If you like any one of those three, you'll like all three of those. And in a very good, fun way, this is a very good, fun game. So why don't we kick straight over to the review real quick? Um, and let's get going on this. So again, so we... So we're talking about the omnibus version of the book, not the combined zines, right? Like that's what I specifically want to talk about here because we're talking about the book, right? Right. Okay. I'm not talking about the so, zines. Okay. So art. So again, for those, if this is your first time watching, thank you, welcome here. Um, but yeah. basically, we break. Uh, we tr we try to, in some way, shape, or form, quantify the games that we review so that there's at least some basis for you guys to understand what we talk about and what we like. A lot of it is extraordinarily subjective um so it's five different scores five different metrics with uh, with a value of up to 10 each five is considered bang average 10 is considered perfect um the first is uh, art and style it is the the art quality quantity and all of that in the book but also like the style of the layout and basically all of the visuals in the book right and then there is the layout, but that is more about the um, readability, usability, navigation. It's it's how well you can read it and how well you can navigate the book. I wonder if we should switch this to like literally visuals and like readability. I don't know. We'll talk about it. Um, and then there is rule set, which is if it is a new rule set, um, is it good? Do we like it? And if it is adapted rule set, how well is it adapted? How, mu how much does it make it its own? Uh, there's originality, which is... Um, does all of this exist? And this is across all things in art, in uh, lore, in setting, in rules, everything. Is it original? Um, and uh, and if it's not super original, is it done in an original way? And then yeah, there is, is value. It, is it inspired by or a derivative of, you know, yeah. like X. And how derivative is it? Um, and then there is value, which is bang for your buck. Not just the cost of the book, but also like what more do you get for it? Are there a ton of adventures? Is there a third-party license? Are there generators? Like, uh, and the value of the book, too. So, uh, art and style. Thoughts. I let me pull up my little page by page. So there is great art in this. In fact, I love the art in this. Um, mm -hmm. but it's definitely not an art book, you know. I no. feel like oh. there's at least art, like every, at least every two pages, you know. Um yeah. I'm scrolling through. There's very few because there's so many roll tables that even on the roll table pages they have like page ender art or like little blocks here and there I, I it's a pretty good amount of art and i really do like the style and it really pushes that whole like 
weird, all not quite whimsical, weird um, vibe. What what are you thinking for this one? So I so I, I like it. I think if for for a I think we said the same thing. Um, maybe not for Master Hunter, maybe for a previous one before. Maybe it was like Black Sword Hacks, or whatever. But like I feel like once you hit a certain a number of pages. Like it's it would be really difficult to go beyond like the and especially with how dense this fucking book is, because, again, the font is like maybe size eight and it's like a hundred and how many fucking pages? Like it's a decent sized book. So yeah. to condense that much information into mm. it, I feel like it has a lot of art. I feel like it very rarely has yeah, a section. I feel like really, it has a good amount. Yeah. You know? But I feel like I love the style of the art and I feel like there's very rarely any spots that miss like what where it could be a spot art, like a big glaring white thing on the page that isn't filled by a piece of art that meant its way my my issue i will say my issue just in general with the quote-unquote visuals and we talked about this before is the monochromatic nature of it compared to the zines compared to this like i Mm -hmm. on like it kind of hurts my soul a little bit because if this was all it was i think it'd be fantastic the fact that this previously exists it currently exists and it has this beautiful, vibrant colors. Like when I think barn, like cool, I, I I think that again, this this really speaks to the blue desert. But I think as right. far as the fact that like this is a colored fa nomad, and the fa nomad does not exist in this. I understand that color is a is is it, it, it costs a lot to print and all that. And I do appreciate that. But when we're talking about objectively in the world, I do feel like once again, like. There is a loss when you go from this to like really refining this to this. I feel like something is lost in the um, in that translation to something that is, again, maybe slightly more academic. You know, it is an omnibus for a reason. You're going to lose stuff when you put that much stuff together. It just kind of. I don't know. Like, look at look at this cassette tape. Like, like I love the 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 color uh, fade and, and here. A, those I are love... all very fair points. My my thought process is that I'm not gonna count it off for not looking like the zines. I'm gonna rate it as a standalone. I mean, I I, I mean, I would I, I guess... rate the zines higher for art if we if we did those as individual reviews, probably. But I'm yes. I'm reviewing this book with you right now. Yeah. I don't know yeah. the zines. I haven't really gone through them. I've only really ever gone through the omnibus. Um, so do you think that this has more art in it than Shadow Dark? Um, see, here's the thing: is we sometimes talk about quantity a lot, and I think that's such a like a unnecessary like that's I, to I'm me not that's just not talking the about primary that. The metric. quality of this art is beyond Shadow Dark. I'm just pulling up reference points for art and layout to decide what I think the score is. Oh yeah, the thing with Shadow Dark art is I think there it's there's more full page art in Shadow Dark, right? Right. But that's I to me like that's a fun bonus. What I really want to see from a book is not just like like if you could put all the art in the middle just to have to be able to flip like 15 pages like what i want is that when something feels like it needs art to describe i want it and i don't want big white glaring open empty pages and i don't think that exists in this book at all this ha- book has no glaring open pages in fact i no. think there were the even sto- a couple of like open spots in bsh um when we were no there weren't even in that I, I think yeah. this is very comparable think, for me. I'm thinking this is an eight for me. Comparable to Black Sword Hack? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to yeah. say. I think this this is almost exactly the same. And I think what we described there, too, was that this is the perfect amount for a, a tabletop book of this length. Like, I think that, again, big big pieces are good. But to me, what's more important is the little spot art that, that makes you not have, like, a big empty spot that feels empty. So, yeah, yeah I completely agree. I think that this, to me, is... Um, feels exactly like black sword hack in the um so what did electrum archive get is it on our uh instagram um it's uh yeah probably no yeah, probably i don't know i haven't uh, updated okay, it in electrum archive i got a seven actually um why did we give a seven to electrum archive maybe uh, it's just know. a shorter book or something i feel like maybe it we're is, just having a bad day on that shorter for sure um, um because I feel like that should probably have an eight, and if that has an eight, I feel like this is between the seven and an eight. I feel like I feel like I'm between a seven and eight on this, pretty pretty solidly. I mean, the difference with Black Sword Hack is it's all pure color inside. I mean, right? Yeah, I think this I mean, might I'd probably have give this more a, art though. Yeah, overall. but again, like when we talk about you know which which one did you think would is is uh, as an art or visuals that you liked better overall between layout and and art and stuff, Black Sword Hack or or Vault of Arn. Okay. And again, I feel like the monochromatic nature of it, like, makes it like nice and consistent. But I feel like that's where there's a bit of lacking right, for well, me. Call it seven. There you go. Okay. Layout. Um, We're gonna layout, take some man. hits. We're gonna take some hits to layout. Um, yeah. And again, I, I feel I'm, again. This is go ahead. No, go for it. No, I I, I uh, want to explain layout. I feel like we should almost rename it because I think the layout is fantastic in in like the style of the layout. That's why I'd say the art and style section. But this is almost like we said, like readability, usability, navigation, yeah. functionality, like, functionality. functionality. I, yeah. Um, yeah. So this, the digital copy, um, is kind of hard to read, um, yep. harder than the actual physical. Um, it has no hyperlinks, although it has a lot of inline page references. Um, it does have bookmarks, but there's a whole section that has a lot of tables in it. Where like it's that are none of them are part of the bookmarks. Well, also the um the um uh character creation section each each like true kin Kakajin, none of that is and that has tables and stuff in oh. each section too. None of those are individually bookmarked either. Yeah, this this is where it's going to be where this takes a hit because this was yeah. the most frustrating part about this because it's so yeah. good in like every other way. Um, yeah. I mean, this I'm is really, really one of the more frustrating. This is one yeah. of the more frustrating navigation ones we've read in a while because of how dense the book is and how good the book is. I I just did not like the layout of the of the table of contents at all. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that too. Um, and then it's a complete lack of navigation tools outside of basic bookmarks in the PDF. So now 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 let's talk about the physical. Um, the physical is gorgeous, and it does have a bookmark. So, as far as like what you want from a physical, I do enjoy. I do really like that. Um, I think that um, yeah. So that that so it's not completely. If it didn't have a bookmark at all in physical book, I feel like it would it would take a. And pretty, the physical one's easier hit. to read as well, right? I honestly like. It's just I don't know what it is about the PDF, but it the font choice and the font color it is very difficult it's it's i mean again it's first world problems in that i can just also blow it up but as what we compared objectively to other things we've read the font choice um the size and the color of it makes it a more difficult read you know when you get to those final two pages in the back of the blue and you feel like you just like came in out of the sun 
you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder. I maybe just like a little bit of a bold or a little bit of a bigger size. I don't know. The PDF just needed, the font needed to be just like a touch thicker. And I think the printing actually made it feel thicker in the book. But yeah, mm. as far as pure navigation, if we talk about if, if this is functionality, I mean, it's pretty basic. I mean, you know, if, if we're talking five is supposed to be bang average to me, this is probably like a six. I think this is a six for me too. Yeah. Like it, it's, it's just, it's missing almost the entirety of all digital tools. And yeah. even within that, like the, it, it's, it, it's, it's difficult. It's more harsh to read on the eyes and stuff than, than most of the books we've read. Leo, hit me up. I'll I'll do your inline hyperlinking in this book. I love this book. So there you go. Um, rule set. Okay, so we talked about this before. A big chunk of it is unabashedly nave. Yeah, but... and it's a stripped down nave where it's a little bit more. It's a little bit lighter. Um, and and I like it. So you know. Well, not only I feel like there. I feel like at its core for the dice mechanics and stuff, a lot of it is nave and like the 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 stat generation stuff. But the wounds and healing are so Great. fucking fun. So Completely good. changes the way the game is going to work. Yeah. Um, and um, and what was the other thing that was like a completely different thing? I think even just like the um, the um, the way that it's not inventory. It's something else works right off the bat too. Um, it's not saves. The item slot stuff is a little bit different. Um, wounds and healing. Um, yeah, I think maybe that was the primary thing is that. And then also you have to throw in like the Mystic Gifts, the Exotica, the Cybernetics. I Very mean, those cool. are all mechanics of the I mean, game that the are. Even the procedures for running the weather, the procedures mm. oh for building building your own custom like area setting, not setting, but like region. Um, yeah, I mean, really, really good stuff. Like really great, uh, incredibly yeah. well done and clever um yeah clever yeah. yeah i again a lot of the core 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 individual like core bits are nave but there is a lot a lot more i think that is added on to this like you can't not call it a hack because it literally is the character all the dice mechanics are basically nave but there's so much more added on that is so fun and unique and clever and interesting that it's one of the best it's one of the most well done hacks that yeah. I've seen before, and one of, if not the best nave hack um, that I've that I've read, I think. What you thinking? Fuck, dude! I, it's so clever. I don't even. What did we? Get? I loved. I loved black sword hack as basically a really good black hack hack. Um, uh-huh. We gave uh-huh. mouse Ritter, We gave mouse Ritter I, we gave a nine. Mouse be for similar reasons in that at its very core it is into the odd but it adds a ton of non into the odd stuff on it that really elevates it above and beyond i would say that vaults of varn is to nave what mouse ritter is to into the odd but vaults of varn has a level of sophistication that mouse ritter doesn't go for because it is designed to be easy to run i would say that i would i would say they're incredibly similar i would probably give this a same I'm, I've been comfortable giving this nine. I think there's there's a good use of name and enough other stuff going on here that is genuinely standalone and clever. And I'm like, oh yeah, I I would love I love this tremendously. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of a, a, a mechanic in the game. That's and this is why. I, 
that's that or even just unnecessary you know what i yeah. mean so i so i will say the only tweak and i really wish that both nave and this would do it is the explanation of the whole like bonus advancement situation thing because that is a confusing part right other other than that there's nothing in the thing where the, i've read through things before where i'm like i like that but i'm not going to use it i right. didn't really read anything in here where i wasn't like not only am i going to use all of this i love it so i i think nine is great for that so um originality so it's not i mean similar things exist already um primarily like uvg as far as the ttrpg senses and a million other games that use like psychedelic desert i mean you can you could even pull off the adventure you could take um, um as a death fantasy for troika right from luke gearing right. um and and you could run this in barn in a heartbeat it'd basically be the same thing so as far as like the core fiction i don't think there's necessarily a ton of um, I mean, it's not space where there's a million of those. Like, Acid Desert isn't the most common thing ever, but it exists in that. I mean, there's even Dune Sandworms in here. Um, right. And I think at its core, it is a Nave hack. But what are you thinking? I mean, I'm incredibly biased because this is super inspired by a lot of my favorite things, um, both video but game wise and book wise and game wise. Um, but that in and of itself reduces its originality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like, I don't think we're reinventing the wheel here. Um, but I think it uses a lot of those parts and puts them together really well, and all it all meshes really well. You know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I don't think it's gonna blow it out of the water, but I think this is like, you know, it's not. It's 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 not. I don't want to. I don't want to like insult another game that we've done. But it's not another game that we've done that we gave a five to. Um, you know, I'm. For I'm originality. Thinking, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking like a. Uh, I think this is a solid six and a half to seven for me. You know. Yeah, I was. My mind went to seven on this. I feel like once again, I feel like there is a really nice um, correlation between between Mouse Ritter in this in a lot of ways. Um, uh, in the way that they adapted into the odd, and then the way that this adapted uh, Nave, but this definitely has right. that heavy kind of like UVG aspect to it. I'm good with the seven on this one. Um, and then value. Okay, so um, Vaults of Arn is 35 euros on uh, Games Omnivorous, um, which, and then I think it's roughly like 35 bucks if you find it at like one of the uh, the, the if you're in the states. Um, I think it's mm -hmm. roughly about the same. So for, I will say that Games Omnivorous prices their stuff extremely competitively. I really, really like it. I mean, you know, yeah. TTRPG creators and stuff deserve more money, but $35 for this book is really, really nice. We talked about yeah. before, like the 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 print quality, the, the quality of the hardback. One thing I do, now here's the thing is, I love me a good um, cloth bound book, right? But... I feel like I can't touch them because my finger oils and dead skin and shit are going to yeah, do that. Yeah, I get that. So if not a, a, a non-clockbound book that has like a really nice matte finish to it like this, where it's not glaring in the sun and I can actually see it, beautiful finish on the book, beautiful embossing. The pages are thick and feel really fucking nice. There is a bookmark. The quality of this book is feels like an omni like if i'm gonna get an omnibus this is this is what i want yeah, as far as the quality the of the printing yeah games omnivorous puts out quality printed stuff um for 35 euros i think that's a fucking steal i really genuinely do um i think on top of that um 
the uh a lot of this stuff like the srd and everything like that is available free on the vaults of Arn website which is literally vaults of Arn. i think you can just literally go to like vaults of Arn.com. yeah um so you can go to that um there is um uh a patreon that you can back from uh leo to get more exclusive content and stuff like that um and uh it does have third-party licensing, um, and um, uh, Christian uh, Sorel uh, Meat Castle um, dropped in. Yeah, it's just some guy whose name is on every project of 2023. Um, and um, everywhere. Yeah, there is a uh, this generator that was put out called the Varn Atlas, um, which literally creates like um, yeah, it's the, oh. it's the creation product. It's the regional like generation process yeah. yeah and so that's really fucking fantastic for this i think there's a lot of good content for it you know I, I think it's got a solid bang for your buck and the fact that it's got the third party licensing and um and the additional content the adventurous things like that i i i really i think it's a solid value i don't think it's fantastic i, I, I think personally the regional generation thing that i know i went over and i'll mention a million more times i'm sure but like that alone there's hours there like mm -hmm. just throw more dice on paper add more spots you know like yeah. there's so much there's so much They'd like yeah. uh, what's the name of the city is it nomi uh nomen 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 yeah nomen like you know how many hours of time you can spend in nomen you know how much there is there like there's so much yeah yeah i i think this is what do you think ryan so so here's here's the other thing about Vaults of Arn 2, because I'm going to go to the itch for Vaults of Arn, right? And if you go to, um, it is uh, G-R-A-C-U-L, um, Graculus Droog, right? For the Vaults of Arn. If you open up Vaults of Arn 1, 2, 3, and the Adventure Pack, also check out Blood Heist, another fantastic game from Leo. Um, uh, Z number one, free. Z number yeah. two, free. Not free. Pay, pay, pay him when yeah. you download this. But you can just download. It's name your own price. Number three, name your own price. Uh, number four is the only one that uh, the the Vaults of Arn Adventures is right now. It's at dollar ninety nine. So you can theoretically get much like Mouse Rider everything that we just talked about. I mean, pay, 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 pay the person money. Um, if you're unable to though, uh, they recommended. Uh, price is literally only set to like $2. Pay more for that. But you can get the physicals and stuff like that. So digitally, much like Mouse Rider, it is completely free. I don't think it has as many resources available as Mouse Rider does, but I'm sorry that whenever you can have an entire game for free, your value is through yeah, the roof. It so, really is. I mean, I would probably give this a nine. I mean, and the only thing that made Mouse Ritter like the 10 instead of this being a nine, and I still think maybe this is a 10 in Mouse Ritter, just, is all those other table or the generators and stuff that, that that had. But how do you not give a nine or a 10 to a free fucking game? Yeah. I mean, I, so wait, why do you think this is a nine if Mouse Ritter is a 10? Well, no, I, I, I think I, I, I tried to revise that. I mean, if the game is free, how do you not give it a 10? You know mm. what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I, I think if we, you can get the game for free, it should just be a 10 like and not only that it's the quality of all of these zines too although yeah. once again if you're gonna download it and you're able to you should pay money right um but fantastic i mean 
I, I, it's, it's, I mean, w the reason we talk about value is because of the barrier to entry, especially in 2023, where the average rent in the United States is 100% of the average paycheck. Um, some people are unable to pay, um, to play your game. And if people can't play your game, your game is not going to get played. So, I mean, making it free like this or name your own price you know can't get much better than that total score 39 nice it's in good that, company that feels about right to me yeah. um and honestly the only part that really brought it down at all was just the the navigation function tools if this had yeah. better bookmarks and hyperlinks this would easily be one of the one of the highest rated ones we've ever read like this would be up at like 41 42 you know everything else it really does just come down to zero hyperlinks like the difficulty of of specifically reading the pdf um and all of those things it just comes down to really just the digital um functionality um and i, and I would be happy if, if suddenly and, and listen, you don't have to, but we had two or three people reach out and be like, hey, after we listened to that, we went back and navigated it. Uh, thank you, Deadhalt. Um, uh, if you suddenly added hyperlinks to it, this score would immediately jump up. So, you know, I, I'm happy with this. Are you happy with this? I am. I think I'm really happy with this. So, okay. I, so perf like, personally, this is on, like, like, this is one of those, like, that is, like, I love it. It's very much a, a me game, and I'm excited to play it. Yeah, this is very much a you game, like hardcore, Dude, hardcore. I really enjoyed this episode. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. Yeah, um, this is, again, and long story short, at the end of the day, great fucking game. Buy this, buy the zines, buy the omnibus. I mean, this is one of those ones that is like a hard, like, you know, yeah. Leonard with a Full bag of chips. Up. Like, this is a Also, buy, games you know are nervous, I mean? you know, like, give, you know, fuck. so good. Um, and, like, yeah. everything is a fucking banger. Everything is banger. So, so what else we so, got coming up? What is next week? What did we have? Well, not I'm next very... week. Tomorrow, actually, we have a special episode. Um, oh, that's right. Our 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 um uh, third host, we'll we'll say like our our by proxy by by number of times they've been on. Um, Kirby. It's um, actually we'll... like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde situation. Uh, I turn into Kirby. Uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> You just get like six inches taller and grow hair, and uh, <laughs> then it's Kirby. Um, but we're uh, Kirby's gonna be on tomorrow because they just released uh, the Dead Horse Volume One, which is a TTRPG adjacent magazine. Um, and the first one is themed around horror. Um, it is out for pre order right now. Uh, Kirby's gonna come on, we're gonna talk about that, but we're also going to go over um, a game called Squishy, which is a super rules light horror game um that uh, that's really really fun enjoyable has some fun adventures exalted put it out um so we're gonna read through squishy and we're gonna talk about dead horse um the uh the primary editor of which was again just some just some some dude some meat castle guy you know um but uh they're gonna be on tomorrow to do that and then i think we decided for sunday i think it's gonna be 5 30 again and we decided to do um uh i thought as i said it that it would pop into my brain um but it didn't um so uh it is going to be um this game that is called um really excited for it uh it's a really fun interesting one um it is going to be it's blood beam badlands blood beam badlands wait yes. wait ryan thursday what? oh fuck me wow do we have a lot coming up on thursday 
uh, at 11 o'clock Pacific time, we're actually also going to be going over Eco Mofos. Um, not, not going over, we're going to be doing a creator cut where the uh, creator, David uh, Blandy, and the artist, Daniel, um, are going to come on talk about uh, Ecomofos, which is funding right now on Kickstarter, and then do an actual play with myself, with Hunter, and with uh, Dana the Artist, um, all running through an adventure run by David Blandy, who did Ecomofos, who also did Lost Eons, which is one I've wanted to talk about forever, but now we're doing Ecomofos, both box sets right there. Um, so yeah, so um, real, real concise finish up here, but long story short, tomorrow, Squishy with Kirby, um, Thursday, Ecomofos with um, uh, the, uh, I believe it's the copy-paste co-op, um, and then oh. on Sunday, we're going to be doing the Vampire Western Bloodbeam Badlands. Super, super excited for that. That is our episode. This is a great game, and you know, you know when the great game is good, you know what you should do? You buy the fucking, buy the fucking book. Buy the fucking book. All <laughs> right. Fucking you book. guys all have a wonderful day. Bye.